So welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm a little bit late because obviously I'm having a lot of trouble with my digital camouflage. Hence why I, uh, when I moved um, from uh, Red State Radio a month before, I knew I was being removed. I was just, you know, I always believe in redemption. I have faith in people. I have faith that people will not choose self-preservation and that uh, they will stay on the side of good. I always have faith. No matter how crappy someone is, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Many people say that's a bad quality of mine because this is why, you know, I'm disappointed. But we should always embrace disappointment as a necessity. It is a necessity. And for those of you that have been listening since I've been on air, I have been talking to my audience and anyone else that could hear. And I know that there's people from around the world trying to make sense of everything. So I thought today, first of all, let's address the uh, corporations that have taken over. We've all seen those movies where it's the corporation in the future uh, that keeps you as a commodity and documents you. I've, I've mentioned that many times. But as someone here, it's not so much just to parse through the news and tell you the news before they are news, but to guide you in this time to understand how you can maintain uh, your presence in the digital sphere where you have been migrated, one or not. So it's very, very important for those of you that want to understand AI a little bit better and its influence in our society. I, I believe it was my January 1st or New Year's Eve of uh, 2018, 2019 episode where I told you China was a threat while everyone was still talking Russia, of course, right? Um, so uh, as you know, I started uh, going uh, on to YouTube uh, in uh, the summer of uh, 2020. I started to put videos. I urge people to join Twitch as it is a different kind of platform, uh, DLive. I've uh, created the Telegram group because I knew what was coming, okay? And so for all of you on YouTube, YouTube gave me another community strike yesterday, so it's going to be only a matter of time before they remove my YouTube channels completely. Um, I think my Tory Says News channel is still okay. The Tory Says channel that has the 70,000 somewhat followers on it is going to be down. So I have DLive. DLive is, you know, one of the best platforms you can be on. Um, there's a lot of gaming. You can find me on it. If you join the Telegram group, uh, the links to wherever you can find me are there. Now, for those of you that are on the internet, you know where I am on the Onion sites. I'm not going to mention them because that's something we don't want to give directions to. Uh -huh. So those of you that do know, that's great. Um, and just a uh, for you guys to understand, you know, Facebook has me on Periscope wherever I can uh, until it goes. Twitch will maintain me for quite a long time because I managed within four months to become a global partner. That's a big deal. Okay. Not a lot of people understand that, but that's one of the hardest things to do. I worked really, really hard because then it gets harder for them to remove. So DLive is on uh, and it's, it's, it's flowing. I believe everyone's watching DLive. I will check it uh, because I am using third-party software in order to stream everywhere uh, before I go direct um, uh, to the sites. And you will see that this happens all the time. 
Ah, I see. DLive is not turned on. Give me a second, guys. Let me fix that. Let me fix that quickly. Let me fix that. And it should be on in just a second. Let's see. Um, is it on, guys? Let's see. Gosh darn it. It's not on yet. Hmm. Hold on, guys. Listen to, to some tunes while I do this, because this is quite an important show. But, you know, with all this uh, media silence, they don't want people talking, of course. Let me fix that for everyone. One moment. Wow, that took me three minutes, you guys. Took me three minutes, you guys, uh, to get it fixed. I hope it's uh, still working. Uh, you know, uh, digital camouflage. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about big biblical stories. So uh, let's begin first with digital camouflage. Uh, it is a time uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, why are you going to Telegram? Uh, why are you on Gab? Uh, you know, why are you on Rumble? Because I'm everywhere. You will not not find me. As long as there is a digital something, I am there. Many of you have been following me since 2017 and didn't know it. So uh, Twitch, I'm on there. I'm on everywhere. So um, you will not not find me. So I am here to guide you. I know uh, using new products is uh, very intimidating. It's kind of like making the switch from Android to iPhone or from iPhone to Android, right? We all get terrified and that's, that's normal. That is completely normal. Uh, but we have to evolve as they evolve in the attacks that they are putting on you. Uh, attacks in your ability to access information, attacks in to be able to disseminate information, attacks on every facet of your uh, ability to use this digital sphere um, yourself. Basically, they're telling you to obey. You must obey. You will have access to what we tell you. You will not have access to anything you want. And that's the way it goes. Now, as many of you know, uh, starting uh, one of these Sundays, I'll be brick and mortar. You'll be finding me on 106.9 uh, FM. I will be posting the link in Telegram. Uh, there's another app that's coming out. Um, I have not had the privilege. I was actually lucky to join in on that group early. Um, which is a totally independent platform um, that we may be using. Uh, it's not out yet. So uh, on Sundays, I will be breaking down the news, uh, less uh, cutthroat as I am on a daily show uh, with you, where I um, am here uh, to not only uh, tell you, hey, you know, told you so, and it's not in a condescending way, it's to demonstrate to you that your ears weren't ready to hear and your eyes weren't able to see. And that's really important. You have ears, you have eyes. But if you were listening to this information in 2018, in 2019, in early 2020, then it would be a different position we'd be in right now. So it's okay, you know, and you can't blame God. <laughs> for things when you're not doing the effort, right? And some might say, well, I didn't know, and, and no one's blaming you. That's exactly why we're here, because you have been under constant attack for decades. Ever since you were born, you've been under attack. You've been molded to not 
make decisions. You've been molded to accept decisions. Many of you might say, that's not true. Uh, well, <laughs> kind of is. And we all are all to blame for it. That's the way it is. We are all to blame for it. So I think a lot of you were very excited to see your president today. Uh, I will play those clips. Uh, you were very excited to see him speaking. Uh, Secretary Pompeo also came out, offered a reward uh, to find the face of a person, a specific one. I think we mentioned him on Tory Says. Um, trying to think. During the Ukraine plane that went down. So um, they're looking for someone, specific someone. That specific someone came up during my little filing to ICE and USCIS uh, in regards to Ilhan Omar, who her name is Abdullahi and is part of uh, Mr. Abdullahi's. Uh, her dad is really Abdullahi, who runs the um, Al-Shabaab group <laughs> in Somalia. But uh, I digress. We're not going to get into that yet. Uh, but um, that was something that I uh, mentioned in 2018 and um, wrote a few things. Now, we know that our president is um, in Texas. Uh, the House is presenting articles of impeachment. Do you guys remember when I did the whole Scammy Davis Jr. Uh, video? Remember how I told you that he is too close to our president and he's going to hurt him? And then there were a lot of people, you're just salty because he's talking about, you're talking about what? That my family was victim of a crime or what? that I'm in lawfare with the AG, that if someone actually opened up the case, they would see it's complete BS. Oh, okay. So I've been around that block. Not very concerned about it. So everybody thought that Scammy Davis was some, you know, man. And that sucks because, you know, he was attacking me. So people just assumed that I was saying it. The Ali Kakbar was constantly attacking me. So I'm just, you know, being salty. I, I don't attack people. I was warning you. I warned everybody how he's an operative. He's been doing this for a very, very long time. And, you know, this is how they come camouflage themselves, right? Through this co coattails of others. They ride those coattails. And, you know, many people yesterday who watched my uh, video and probably reported, that's why YouTube took it down. Um, we're upset that I mentioned the Proud Boys. And it's like, listen, just because some Proud Boys are great doesn't mean all of them are. I mean, you have assets of the agency within those groups too. How is that hard to conceive? How is no one understanding that? John Sullivan was arrested and released. Not only was he arrested and released, but he was interviewed by CNN, Good Morning America with his handler, Jade, right? And not only that, he got a lawn chair moment where the FBI went to arrest a patriot that probably was instigated by those groups that were infiltrated. He got a lawn chair. Again, and his brother is Proud Boy X, okay? Proud Boy X. So I showed you guys both of those. So you can see how they work both ends. That's how they fund. That's how they do things. They infiltrate. It's not about invasion. It's about infiltration. Been saying that for years. Infiltration. 
They are everywhere. Now, while many of you are very salty about Amazon, you have to remember that AWS, the Amazon system, has a choice to host or not. And if you remember, the U.S. government dropped the contract with AWS the way it was done. Okay? Now, when you build a platform and it exclusively gives all rights to one host to be able to carry it off, that's yo fault. Especially when you try to, like, quickly put something. Remember, Andrew Torbo was thrown under the bus by the left and the right and being told, being, being scolded that, oh, Gab is like where white supremacists are and all the racists, right? And it's like they attacked him so hard, but he did it the right way. He has his own servers. Nobody can knock him off. He has his own software. Nobody can knock him off. Now he's got his own digital platform for TV, which I haven't figured out because I'll be using that like crazy once it's ready and stable. So again, here is how it is. People attack people that make change in the world because probably they're jealous. I mean, Andrew Torba is a man of God. He's uh, a really good guy and extremely smart. And not only that, Gab is funded by you, the people. I had people say, don't, you know, join Gab this. And I was like, well, I was here telling you over a year ago. I don't know about Parlor Man. I gave my ID and it kind of flagged. And it was like, oh, we need this instead. And I'm like, dude, what do you mean? You need multiple IDs? What the? Mm, I don't have multiple IDs. So it kind of threw me off because it was so meticulous. And now their data has been hacked. So your passport driver's license information all taken. And everyone's kind of just sitting there like, no big deal. I kind of mentioned it. I actually reached out to the people that were invested in it, like Meadows and Bongino. And I was like, um, you know, I, I emailed them. I can't do anything. I can't seem to be verified on your platform. I was a, one of the first people that actually joined it. Um, I'm a little bit confused as to this ID thing. And why do you need this ID? Who's hosting the data? Who's holding on to it? I didn't get an answer and I never got verified. So, hmm. Now, um, so that's on social media. You have to get more adaptable. Uh, DLive and Twitch. Twitch is an Amazon product. But Amazon is not going to be so quick to knock accounts off. I mean, they will if they're violent. They will if anything. But they're a little bit more by the book. Remember, they had federal contracts. So it's not like YouTube where... Um, you could just knock people off because you feel like it. President Trump still has a channel on Twitch. So if you wanted to stream on Twitch, you could still do so. Okay. So uh, DLive the same. You know, they're pretty much independent. Uh, there are over 18 sensitive things that you could put so people uh, don't get salty. They can't report you. And it's, it's very different. YouTube is global. They'll send you hits that you get from Pakistan and India and Africa and South America. The other ones don't. So um, digital camouflage is important because you must obey. You must obey the rules. Just like that guy told me on the plane. Well, you know, if, uh, if they can't, you know, have good public discourse, they should do it like they used to in the old days, like write letters and go out in squares. And I'm like, oh, so you're one of those guys. One of those guys. Mm. So um, just so you guys know, um, the Undernet or um, 
internet relay chat is another way uh, that you can communicate uh, through the Tor browser, downloading the client. That's like really old school, but hey, nobody can kick you off on that one either. So internet is internet, and you can always get on things. It's really important to learn how to arm yourself with knowledge uh, in regards to communications. Now, moving forward, okay, moving forward, now that we've addressed the digital camouflage, I want you guys to take a think a little bit. I want you to think of biblical stories. Now, you're going to say biblical stories. What for? Well, biblical stories are a very particular thing. They have impacted the world like no other. Biblical stories, right? And yet, no one has really addressed them. Uh, a lot of people use them as uh, a weapon to keep you in check. Other people use it to understand the world. Um, but no one really gives you an explanation of, you know, what they really are. So I thought together we can tackle that so you can see how they apply uh, and how they were able to make such change in the world. See, because it's, it's very strange that, you know, there was a huge psychological, psyche, soul, significance to biblical stories. Um, and one might ask, well, why would you bother evaluating it from that perspective? It's actually quite interesting. These stories, right, These, this document, this Bible that has been put together over years and then revamped and New Testament and revised and translated and back translated and deleted and whatever is has stood the test of time. It has outlived kingdoms, you know. I mean, you can probably out, you know, count off a few of them. It's more this book and the stories in it are more durable than any castle, than any empire. It's massive, right? So that, that's kind of interesting how embedded it is. So biblical stories, in essence, can be, seen, it can be seen as some sort of mystery. It's kind of like it's a biblical story now, but maybe later they'll say it's a myth, right? That's how myths happen. They're stories, and then they become myths over time. Now, but what we need to understand is how it came about. And why the Bible has had such an incredible and most, I mean, it's so impactful on the civilization. And we don't understand, uh, you know, how people can't believe them or how people can believe them, right? There's people on both sides of the spectrum. Right now, today, 12th of January, 2020, there are many people out there that are saying it's one of the worst times to be alive because they're chaos. But I'm telling you, you were born exactly for this time. For those of you that believe in God, understand that he has promised when, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he promised a nation. He promised liberation. And and that everything was going to change. And what we're seeing for the past five years is a change of guard. Old guard is being taken out. 
it's important to understand how the winds of change are really, really changing now. And they have been able to maintain power because there was a special door, a special box locked away that nobody ever wanted to open, nobody ever wanted to talk about, and that's the art of deception. Italy and Rome. There's so much coming out. It's been uncovered. It's coming out. And I want you to know there are things happening that you do not see, that you are not privy to seeing. You just have to have faith that it's happening. The expectations that those east of our pond had for our country, the European Union, China, all of them, they don't even understand how the heck is the United States still in power? How the heck are they operating them? How are they operating? How are they existing when we have taken away everything they can do? We have maimed them. We have shamed them. We have put them to their knees. How can they do it? They're, they're, it's like demons screeching. They don't understand. We've spoken about weaponization of fear. And the weaponization of fear is indeed terrorism. Now, many of us can rattle a lot of terrorist organizations, you know, that we hear on the news. Hezbollah, you know, ISIS, ISIL. That's a funny one. We should get into that differentiation. But in essence, there's only two. And they work together, but compete with each other. It's the globalists, the old guard, the, the ones that are way better than every other single human on this planet. Like, say what? Humans are our commodities. And then there's the military-industrial complex, which people just, when they think of that word, all they think of is Raytheon, right? You're so wrong. The military-industrial complex is comprised of Hollywood, your mainstream media, your food, Starbucks, Target, Walmart, all of them. Google, Facebook, Twitter, all of them. Your military-industrial complex are the corporations. These are the two terrorist organizations. I call them terrorist organizations, the MIC and the globalist. Because while I've been telling you, you're, I want you to envision this. You're, you, the people, are standing on the surface of this earth, and you're just going about your day, right? You're going about your day. In the sky, there are two titans fighting. Those two titans are the military-industrial complex and the globalists. Now, they're fighting over you. Who's going to owe you? The weaponized consumerism hmm? or the weaponized commodity? Okay? That's basically it. In the end, they're supposed to work together to own each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. That is their job. That is the goal. In the end, it'll be a stalemate because they don't know how to play jazz. Please. It'll be stalemate. And the reason that they're upset now is because we, the people, watching them in the sky having this fight, unknowingly that this is happening, are kind of like, you know what? We don't like any of you. We don't. I don't want to serve corporations. And, dude, kings, queens, like... <laughs> 1,800 called, and they want their titles back. We're done with that. This is how it goes. The titles and tiaras of the old guard, the globalists, you know, your royalty, your princes, your kings, your queens, those people that I've showed you on previous shows, 
that own the majority of the planet. And then it's the military industrial complex. I've, I've told you to watch this show called American Gods. And the reason that I told you to watch is one of one, it's kind of slow. So it's painful. Like I couldn't watch it. And you know, I smell a glass of wine and I get drunk. So I can't even drink and watch it. But the backstory is why I sit there. I'm, I'm confused as to everything. But when you sit back, you're just like, damn. So the whole story of that show, and I'm pretty sure it's somewhere on demand, is that they're the old gods, Zeus, you know, these ancient gods. And then there's new ones, uh, you know, social media, digital, you know, photography, whatever, just modern gods. And they're in a war. This is exactly what you're seeing. See, those crowns and titles and tiaras created the new gods, which are your social media, your, you know, consumerism, everything. Because if you watch it, you'll get what I'm telling you. Even though it's so um, badly executed for me. And I get really, really complex, you know, things. Mm. And, and, you know, having a really hot main character helped the situation, okay? Because the dude's hot, okay? He was in um, the 100 as the character Lincoln, who was super hot. So having a really hot, you know, protagonist um, is super awesome. So that's why I was like, I'm going to put through this and I'm going to watch this, all right? If you watch that, you'll understand what I'm telling you. There's two... Terrorist groups, old gods, new gods. Let's put it that way. The new gods came from the old gods because the old gods let people advance, right? The queens, the kings, they're like, let the peasants go. And then when they create shit, we'll just buy it and own it. But the thing is, um, that gave rise to really cocky snot, snot-nosed brats uh, from that were derived from this young nation, right? our nation here, the United States. So you have snot noses like Jack Dorsey, you know, um, <laughs> Zuckerberg, rising up in the ranks, having power over the globalists. I mean, they have to sit down in UN meetings. Like, why? Oh, it's just a normal thing. You know, you create an app and people get on social media and they sit in on intelligence briefings that have to do with global national security issues for each nation. Because that's totally normal, right? You're not seeing it because your eyes couldn't see it. Um, hence why I say if you watch that movie and you replace the old gods with your kings, your queens, your bloodlines, your old money, and then the new gods as your tech your consumerism, your Walmart, your Targets, your Milky Way, your Mars, whatever companies and corporations, Monsatos, they've gotten so much power that they're in a fight and you're in the middle. Okay. That's how it is. So watch that. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty interesting show. And maybe it'll give you perspective. And maybe for you, it won't be too slow or you won't be confused. Uh, I was, I had to like rewatch it a couple times because I really liked the kind of was like, wait a minute, are they talking about this? So I'd play it again. And I was like, damn, the writer's awesome. Uh, even though I didn't like the delivery. So anyway, this is important because there is a, a, a battle right now. And I wanted to talk about biblical, biblical stories uh, because 
I want you to be able to make sense of it. You know, I don't like Nietzsche, right? Nietzsche was a horrible guy to um, talk about Christianity, right? Um, he would say dogmatic Christianity. He would say things like uh, he didn't believe that there would be a scientific uh, revolution. It would never have happened, um, you know, if there if, if it wasn't for Christianity. But you know, it was a it was a paradox. He was like, it's dogmatic, but then we needed the Christianity for a scientific revolution, right? And he would say that you know, for Catholicism, for example, or for the Europeans, uh, people had to uh, retrain their thought. Uh, to be able to have a more coherent society. And I've mentioned this before, and I kind of agree on him with that because uh, the the Roman uh, Catholic Church weaponized Christianity to keep people in check uh, when that shouldn't have happened. You know, they would ask the Pope, can we kill this person? The Pope would say, no, you can't do that. Off with your head, you're punished. Or remove kings and queens. Or tell people that the wrath of God allows them to burn you at the stake or chop your head off. You know, all that stuff. And it was more to keep people in check. So they used the Bible as a sword. Uh, and it should never be. It should be a guide, right? So, I mean, that's my opinion. Some of you might think that, you know, it's good. Now, even though Nietzsche is seen to be a harsh critic of Christianity, he also championed it on, you know, um, how it was necessary to have developments. You know, again, things that some people say that piss us off sometimes have some truth in it. And that's why we get angry. So... It was all about discipline. He said he stated that he criticized it. He stated that, and he actually believed that Christianity was a propelling role to bring you know people into that Western civilization type thing. And he would think about it and present it, and people were like, "But you said that." He's like, yeah, "I know I said this, but it, they're still good, even though he was attacking it." Um, he would see the merit in it, and there were a lot of other people that would see it too. A lot of people see humanity would struggle through all. Through through all of time, uh, humanity, humans wanted to rise above their um, animalistic or tribalistic type manners and become more civilized. So this book, this Bible, right, has been preserved and has pushed a culture, as you know, sociologists called it, for over two thousand years. And it has gone on to transform the world. No other book has done that. None. None. So the question someone should ask is, how could it happen? First of all, what do we always say? Truth always surfaces. And it's the intentions and uh, the intimacy that one person may have um, with a book or um, information uh, that can last throughout time. I mean, a lot of people will say there have been many, many books throughout time, ancient Greek scriptures, the scrolls of Alexandria, obviously all destroyed, right? Whatever. But think about it. These biblical stories have lasted with man for years. Years. And they have been a guiding light to many. So one should, should ask themselves, what are they really trying to say?
You know, it's not like Shakespeare, right? These are stories that when you see them through the eyes of today can be applied today as well. So let's, for example, for those of you that are religious, obviously, you know, I want you to take it from the eyes of an outsider and say, you know, God is just some abstract thing, right? Let's just take it from there. And you move along that path that, you know, there's a, a perspective that God is some abstract thing and you want to pull out the ideal sauce that comes from that, right? Like what is what I need to know? And the traditions, uh, the tribal uh, attachments to it. What do the stories tell you? And a lot of people talk about it. You know, they talk about the gods or gods because Elohim, you know, utilized plural in the beginning books of the Bible. Then it was redone. And, you know, Genesis 1, which was the first story, is obviously not as old as Genesis 2, they say. And then there's the Jaws version, contains the story of Adam and Eve. And then we see Greek myths, Roman myths, Chinese myths that are saying the same damn story. Same story, different characters, same story. It talks about departure from Egypt. In almost every myth, there's a group of people being liberated from group thought, right? Seeking out moral boundaries and unwritten rules to abide by, to be able to live in unity while they break through suppression. This is always happened. Always. I mean, think about it. How many of those stories have you heard in other cultures? How many? Tons. You know, and it's so weird because when you think of, you know, reading Genesis, for example, it's the idea that, you know, obviously you were created an image of something more divine. And men and women, polarized opposites, were created. Which is interesting because then we have your dildo-waving feminists criticizing Christianity for, <laughs> for making something patriarchal. The point is, you know, it was done as so, and then people just change, you know, how it's supposed to happen. But think about it. These stories have been told many times. You right now apply this story. Apply the story of Exodus right now. Right now, how many of you are unbound by this long sleep you've been in and can hear and can see? There's stories like this in every civilization. It's the same story. The same story, kind of like we went over the hero's journey. There's always the same. So that's our story right now. Our nation where it's at. There's a mass exodus. And they're not liking it. They're screeching. Screeching. Watch them screech. They have 
I told you, I saw, I tweeted it with my other account that was banned because apparently I'm a scammer or a spammer, one of the two. That's why I was banned from Twitter um, while I was um, on the airplane. So I, I, I want you to, 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 to think about this for a second. They were organizing riots. They have been organizing riots on the down low for months now even though they supposedly won. We have John Brennan demanding that everyone not only denounce President Trump and what he stands for, but repent publicly for even supporting him one ounce, right? Just any one bit. This morning I saw a post, and I'm, I'm going to put it in the Telegram group, um, and, and I want to write an article, but I have to finish what I'm doing and I wish I could share it with you, but I can't. Um, I saw an article, uh, no, a post from Heidi Heidkamp. Heidi Heidkamp used to be the Senator in North Dakota, right? She's the Senator of North Dakota. She demanded that Senator Hoven and, and, and Senator Cra um, Kramer publicly denounce and apologize for ever supporting President Trump. I want you to think about that for a second. For people that have won, why are there riots being built? Obviously, we need those false flags, and we're going to talk about that, right? We're going to talk about that. Obviously, we need that. But, th and then that way they could take away the weapons. Because when there's going to be a duality, and a lot of people can't fathom the idea of dual presidency, but... Here I am to be completely rude and in your face. What the fuck has been happening for the past four years? Our government has been serving two fucking presidents, Obama and Trump. Can you see that now? I have been talking about the continuity of government. I have been pushing about the transition team for years on air. You have been living in a dual reality. Federal government has been serving Barack Hussein Obama and the people and few people that were in office were serving the president of the United States. What the fuck is going to change on January 20th? Nothing. They're all going to get rounded up the right way. So you need to understand, not my president. Huh? You think the federal coup that they had orchestrated for almost five years, five freaking years. They've been sitting there five freaking years in the White House, in the White House. They had people serving Obama. We have an Iranian florist that is everywhere. They had wiretapped his White House. I've been here telling you everything, every step of the way. Here is where the curtain gets pulled. And it's like, voila, there have been two presidents in the United States of America so far. How do you feel about that? Because a lot of you were like, how can we have two presidents? Well, I showed you all these nations that have two presidents, and they're all fucked up. Are you going to tell me that the past four years, our nation didn't have shit going on? We've been having two presidents for a long time. All right? Now, they're just going to sequester the few people to force you to take the president they want. President select. President select by the corporation. In 2016, when we voted and some person took it upon themselves to commit crimes to make sure that scripts weren't deployed, 
So that way, the people had a chance. And President Trump broke that algorithm because the people wanted the mass exodus. They wanted it. There was still an Obama administration. There was still a shadow government. It's not even in this country. Not even here. Deception. We're going to talk about that today. In the meantime, I want to take you to an RSA conference and talk about the art of deception in targeted attack attribution. So rather than me, uh, while you're watching it, how's this? A lot of you can be like, wait a minute, Tori, you've talked about stuff like this. Yeah, but let's just hear all these researchers and senior security people from Kapersky Lab that are at this conference explain it to you first. Because I'll, I'll skip through some of them, but I think the beginning, damn, it is so good. Just, just take a listen. It's incredible. Follow me. We are very pleased that all of you didn't choose to go to that cloud book across the hall. I promise this is going to be fun, at least funner than the cloud thing. Uh, we're in between, and we felt that the best way to handle this was to actually uh, take the time to discuss some scenarios where that has already uh, been the case to some extent or another. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with us, we are part of the Global Research and Analysis Team or the GRAY team at Kaspersky Lab. This has actually put us in a great position as you might be able to, you know, if you can see uh, some of the details on the slide, uh, this is some of the development of, of the different espionage operations uh, and APTs that we have, uh, our team has been involved in investigating over the So let me just stop. Can you see Stuxnet? Pretty weird. Uh, date there because that was developed in the 90s, but whatever. Uh, you know, Dooku was a, we've talked about this before, huh? And now you see all of these. Some of them may be familiar names. You're going to see a lot of familiar names in this conference. But I just wanted you guys to see this. These are art of deception and targeted attack attribution. It's pretty dope because right now, the past four years, you have been under attack. This is it. And they have been using methods like this. Remember how I told you, oh, Brandon said he was like Cozy Bear in Apartment 9. And nin, 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 nin. He invented that shit. It's a lie. That's how they hijack you. Past five or six years. And actually, that ends um, on 2015. So there's still uh, a great deal of operations and, and new threat actors that have been added to it. So we're going to focus on attribution. We're going to focus, there's so many different stages of threat intel and different things that you tend to focus on in the cycle of producing threat intelligence, but we want to just focus on attribution, how attribution is done, why attribution is a problem, uh, and hopefully we can all be on the same page to then go on to some examples of where uh, deception tactics may actually come to play there. So um, the first thing we got to talk about is when we're talking about attribution, why is it such an issue? A um, couple things I put up here, but really the biggest ones I would kind of want to hit on is uh, there's a lack of training mainly. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys uh, and gals in the audience are, are government potentially. And uh, for those of us that have come from that environment, a lot of us have had training on how to do proper attribution, um, you know, the, the subtleties of using certain languages and things like that. Unfortunately, in the public world, there's not a lot of training for this. So we're finding that there's analysts that are coming out uh, starting new in the business and not getting the proper training. Um, other than the other stuff up there, the other big one is the bad guys are reading all these reports. Uh, one thing we're finding is that 
as we put out reports talking about things that people are doing, uh, different actors, uh, techniques that they're using, they're, they're taking those, those uh, intel reports and they're using that information against us as researchers. And we'll show you a couple examples of that later on, but it's something to keep in the back of your mind that as we produce more and more of this publicly, it's gonna get harder to do attribution down the road. So are you understanding, this is a stuff that Shadowgate kind of introduced you to because you see how Shadowgate is relevant now? Now they're talking, this PSYOPs officer was responsible for a PSYOP on people, bringing people down there. Are you seeing it? This is why they silenced Shadowgate. This is why Ali Akbar jumped all over it and then attached himself to the hip with uh, Alex Jones. This is why they started the narrative with Roger Stone who didn't even see it and he was like, I saw it, it was fine. Afterwards, people talk, why? Lack of intelligence, period. Limited visibility. That's how you can't see what the problem is. Why is attribution a problem? I'm telling you why it is. You can't see it. You know, you can't. It misattribution means that you're blaming someone else. Like, I'll send an email, you know, to someone, and then I'll make it look like they did it. I, I When I was in D.C. and they were running the elections for Georgia, I was like, dude, I'm willing to go to jail to just hack that and then give Ossoff zero right? Zero votes, like change it live and then make it look like it came from his house. Cause we have the capabilities to do that. That's illegal, but we have the capabilities to do that. You see where I'm going with this? Everything that you see, everything they tell you is a lie. They're sitting there talking. They had thump John Sullivan on every freaking channel as a hero for taping a murder, but nobody mentioned that that little shit right, is an asset, and he's videotaped almost every shooting in every riot for the past three years. And his brother is embedded in the Proud Boys movement, making it another alt-right issue. Because you can't control the people in the middle if you don't control the ends. You have to have both extremes under control, infiltrate. And these are two people. You think, you think, that these, this shadow government is just going to insert two brothers? It's probably hundred brothers and sisters and moms and dads and couples on both ends of the damn spectrum. Ushering you and keeping you teeter-tottered on that seesaw so you stay in check. <laughs> Fear on both ends to pen the sheep where they need to be. Pay attention. We've been talking about this for forever. And that's why when someone, when someone, I hear so many people that are influencers talk smack on me is because I've seen your name on some of that shit. And I'm going to be releasing that list. It's not time yet. But all of you have time to make up for the shit you talked and your contribution to all of this. There's a big fat ass list, fat ass list with receipts, messages, and phone calls. Massive list of influencers and media personalities. It's not a threat. It's a fact. And I've already given it to the right hands anyway. FYI. So uh, let me get a sense for the crowd. Uh, how many of you are actually analysts or work in threat intelligence? Show of hands. Okay. Decent turnout. Uh, how many of you actually have read some of the reports on APT, some of threat intelligence reports, maybe consumed some of it? Very cool. Um, so these are some of the things that for those of you where people think an operation is coming from and where the attacker would like us to think it's coming from. 
So we're asking you to give us the distance and the allowance of saying that some of the stuff came through the attribution grapevine. Some of it came from the rumors that people, you know, around the community or threat intelligence researchers might say. So give us that. Please don't say that these are some of our claims and we'll give you some very cool examples uh, of where threat actors are trying to get the better of us. Okay. So that being said, we'll get right into it. Um, the first group that we're going to talk about is uh, a group called Cloud Atlas, also known as Inception. Um, I think it was Blue Coat put a paper out on it originally a few years ago. Um, but basically, these guys, what's really interesting about them is we think that they're a spinoff from Red October. If anybody's really familiar with Red October way back in the day, um, the theory was that this group was essentially like a joint venture between Russia and Ukraine. Um, once the annexation started occurring in, in Crimea, um, Cloud Atlas kind of popped up. And we think that maybe through the attribution grapevine that this could be potentially a Ukraine-based team at a minimum Eastern European-based. Um, okay, I'm going to tell you where it is. So it's in, uh, it's in Bosnia, it's in uh, what they like to call Macedonia, and it's in fucking Prague. This is where most of the shadow operations happen. Why are you telling us? Well, I already put it on paper. It's in my fucking affidavit. I can't wait to go to the Supreme Court. I'm going to be there hoving names like nobody's business. Uh, hoving names like, ooh, these, look, they're telling you. Ah, a.k.a. Inception. Right? <laughs> Inception. Russia, 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 Russia. Russia hasn't done shit. We should be trusting Russians more than anyone else because they're backed up in such a freaking corner because they have no debt. It's ridiculous. And they're trying to maintain a footing so they can keep a balance because they own a large portion of the world, like land property, right? And they've got the Shias on the border there of China coming in. The, the, the whole Afghan, we've already named that. Thank you, General Jones, for torching that in Obama. We got the ISI, the Pakistanis that would sell their mother to have some power. I mean, look at Imran Khan, whatever, right? We've got Turkey, loose cannon, complete loose cannon. They just think that they still have elephants and, and they could just trot through everywhere, right? They're just delusional completely. Like it's over, Erdogan, it's freaking over and they're going to take you out first. And I'm telling you that, and I've said this before, Erdogan is going to be taken out first, first, before Putin ever leaves, he's going first. You watch. They already have a plan. So you got to trust their plan. They already have their plan. They're telling you their plan. If any of you actually sit down and watch the UN meetings, aside from slitting your wrists, right, you'll catch up on a lot of things, a lot of things. I remember that when I was at the event at the Freedom Plaza, I was there and I was videotaping live on Facebook, you know, because I don't give a lot of love to Facebook because I'm one step away from being deleted completely. I just shared the music part. Right before the music started, Ali Alexander was talking about Proud Boy X. I'm still trying to find that damn video. And they were all talking about it. Who's that? John Sullivan's brother. Why am I saying this? Deception again. Where does it come from? Huh. Infiltration. The whole world has been infiltrated by the new shadow government, this global shadow government spearheaded by the United Nations. I don't see how nobody else can see it. 
uh, earlier this uh, in 2020, I had put together information showing how the invasion is going to happen, where it's going to come from, how the Native American reservations, their chiefs, their elders have fucked up by signing all these treaties with the UN, which makes their reservation UN territory with the drop of a hat. That's a lot of American land that you can have foreigners in, you guys. Uh, again, I know that we're talking about cyber, but I want to put it into perspective for you, the physical aspect and the cyber aspect. They're walking you through how they can see the deception through attribution, who they blame. Like right now, everyone was like, yeah, you know, the hack. We told you that it was going to Spain. We told you it was going to Germany. I told you that in 2018. 2018, before anybody was talking about elections, I was talking to you about it. Germany, 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 which also had a blackout, by the way. Germany. And where would they process it? Italy. Hmm. And yesterday, the hijack, the hijack on State Department, Oh, it was a disgruntled employee that's a Biden supporter that just did it. Shut up. What benefit does he have doing that? And why was he using the Pakistani site? Let me tell you what. Trace packets. Back to damn Prague. Prague. Um, what's really cool about them, though, is they rely on cloud services for a lot of their exfiltration, their, their data storage and, and deployment of stage two. But they really make a concerted effort, or they were at least at the time, to deceive investigators. So I'll show you in a minute, but basically every time they would see an investigator come in and, and touch their stuff or look and poke, they would do some things in there uh, that, that would, you know, they were trying to throw people for a loop, which was really cool. Um, and they are still active today. Their targeting was mainly based in Russia. Um, they were hitting anything from government targets to, to media, to pretty much anything uh, based out, of, out and around Moscow. So we call them the Turducken of APT, um, which you'll see in a minute why. But basically, when they were first found, um, sorry that red doesn't really show up there. It says Spanish document name. Um, the lure documents that were sent around from these guys actually contained a lot of metadata in it that was uh, Spanish language. The Spanish language, CIDL, smart cities, UN, hello. Internal contents of the document was Spanish. Um, so initially investigators thought, okay, maybe this is a Spanish APT. So started going down that path. Then we noticed, um, in the mobile malware family that in the Blackberry and the Android, there was Hindi and Arabic strings, uh, in those versions of malware, which was really interesting. Oh, it's not interesting. Here's the thing. They hire these people to put the malware and put it together. Blackberry malware. Why did they ban... RIM. Oh, because it's the only one that didn't really need a cell tower for communication. So maybe people shouldn't have that. This is how they scared you from staying away from a device that actually was giving you direct communication via pin using lower and less needed towers to communicate. Android malware. Psh, Hindi. Where does Google? To, I mean, just look at the CEO. So now we had Spanish metadata. Um, potentially, you know, created on a machine uh, with Spanish language settings. We have Hindi and Arabic languages um, actually embedded inside the, malware, the mobile malware code. Then we come across this quote, and there was God save the queen in the malware. And they capitalized the word the, which is really interesting because actually most Americans would never do that, but obviously the Brits always proper, uh, you know, capitalized the T on the queen. So then we're like, okay, hmm. 
Maybe this is coming from the UK. Then we looked at infrastructure, and the infrastructure they were using was a bunch of popped routers that were based out of South Korea. South Korea. Didn't we say we need to talk about Korea? I'm so agitated sometimes when I see this stuff. Sorry, I skipped over. Let's go to South Korea. Wait, it gets better. Because this is where I'm going to teach you how they're messing with your mind and everybody else's. And I want to know why we're paying, okay? Why are our tax dollars paying clowns in the NSA and every other intelligence agency when they can't figure out they're on a goose hunt? That we are the ones doing this. All they have to look at is as Brennan and Clapper. Because we're going to talk about Ukraine today and their elections capitalize the T on the Queen. So then we're like, okay, hmm, maybe this is coming from the UK. Then we looked at infrastructure, and the infrastructure they were using was a bunch of popped routers that were based out of South Korea. So you can see where, you know, all these little pieces and breadcrumbs, they're starting to pretty much lead people nowhere. Um, it was pretty interesting. Then they deployed some Chinese malware, which was really cool. So like I was saying earlier, researchers started poking around. They started trying to uh, solicit a stage two payload from the actors. And what was interesting is when the actors were watching the callbacks come in, if they suspected the victim of being a researcher, they would purposely push out a fake piece of Chinese malware versus their real stage two. So researchers were actually getting Chinese malware instead of the Cloud Atlas malware uh, when they were looking at it. So they, they enjoyed messing with people, which was pretty neat. And then the last thing was going to compile times. Uh, usually you can do kind of a trend analysis on compile times. You can say, okay, you know, all their malware was pretty much compiled between the hours of nine and five, you know, Moscow time or whatever. Um, doing a trend analysis on the malware we found here, you couldn't really do that. It was all over the place. So the conclusion was basically that every time they would compile a piece of malware, they would go into their system ahead of time and they would just change the clock settings, compile the malware, the next piece, they change the clock, compile the malware. So again, left you scratching your head. So basically, you know, we were like, what the hell, right? So that's just the first one. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that you get out of strings and you might get out of compilation timestamps. They've got some tricks there. Uh, the next case that I'd like to focus on is something that we called Wild Neutron. You might also know them as Morpho or Butterfly, depending on whose threat intel you like. I hope it's ours. Um, and the interesting thing about Wild Neutron, it's actually one of my favorite cases, is they were extremely sneaky when it came to attribution. They basically wove all these different scenarios and tried to point people to uh, not just with strings. I mean, I think the strings are the really simple part. You know, they had strings, uh, Romanian for goodbye. They had a transliteration of Russian uh, for success, if I remember, yes, for success, if I remember correctly. Uh, but they also tried to point at, like, other researchers who might be, like, developing exploits who, uh, well, they were white hat researchers, but they tried to point them in that direction. They tried to point at some scams. Uh, that's not the fun part of Wild Neutron. Wild Neutron is actually most interesting because of the tasking. Because if you're an old school analyst and you decide to say, hey, the only way we're going to know where these guys are from is if we pay attention to who they're hitting. Uh, with Wild Neutron, you're going to see that paradigm break down. They, uh, they bagged some whales. They bagged some very big companies like Twitter and Apple. They went ahead and started hitting some smaller companies, some smaller tech companies. So they, were, you know, they seemed to be interesting in companies that are about to IPO. But then they were also interested in financial firms. So you say, okay, maybe there's a financial incentive. Then they started hitting law firms as well. It's like, okay, maybe it's still in the trend, but maybe not. 
Uh, but we're also keep in mind that we're talking about a threat actor that uses zero days and has a, quite a development cycle. So this is a, a relatively advanced team. Uh, they had no they had no military uh, or governmental or diplomatic hits, which is very strange for an APT for a right. So strange because you're the hit. You're the ones they want. So before this is this, we're going to listen to a few more minutes. Because this, you need to let this percolate. And for those of you um, that are on Twitch or DLive, I think if you subscribe, you can watch the video on demand or else you have to catch me live. You can always catch my podcast, but you won't have the fancy graphics. You need to pay attention to this part more than anything. Because what he said was, they're not hitting governments. And a lot of people say, well, the CIA is terrible. Well, the CIA is long gone. There's private corporations now with your intelligence, period. They're the new gods well-resourced attacker. However, for those of you that might be thinking that this is a financially motivated actor, they also went after counterterrorism targets. They started waterholing uh, forums for Islamic extremism. That's not the kind of tasking that you would see with a purely financially motivated actor, nor are, you know, nor is M&A and IPOs so on the kind of targeting you expect for um, a proper APT actor. So what you actually get with them, I think, is the first case of a purely mercenary APT. And mercenary. that's where your oh. paradigm of being able to focus on tasking and targeting. in order. So these guys didn't have a big group, but this is mercenary tasking. Haven't I used that word many, many times? Not just for cyber attacks or on the web, the intergalactic network, whatever you want to call it, cyberspace, but in real life too. Mercenaries work for the highest bidder, okay? And the fact that they're not hitting governments, well... Mm. In order to do any kind of attribution starts to break down. What happens when a very well-resourced attacker will take money and a list of targets and use the same infrastructure and the same software to hit a bunch of diverse um, focuses or foci of interest? It really breaks down that paradigm. So, you know, that's one of the more uh, interesting ways that this starts to break down for you. Now, if we can pull out to a different case, let's talk about APT actors that like to hide themselves as lesser grade actors. So for those of you that are interested in hacktivism, forgive me if I'm not paying as much attention to hacktivism. I tend to focus on uh, APTs. I really like that kind of malware and don't pay that much attention to the hacktivists. However, some of the time, some of our guys like to pretend that they're hacktivists. They like to stand up fake fronts in order to carry out their operations to be able to say, hey, hey, this was done by uh, this little hacktivist group, and it's the will of, of the collective internet that they've come to, to attack you. Uh, there's a weak version of that, and then there's a strong version of that. The weak version of that is what we call the Lazarus Group. Uh, you may know them uh, from the Sony hack and a series of other infamous hacks on South Korea. Uh, they really love to stand up these little hacktivist fronts for each one of their attacks. The issue is, they, these hacktivist groups have no pedigree. They've never been seen before in any forums. They don't go on to exist after the attack. They literally just appear one day and they go, hey, we're the guardians of peace. And we have this very strong stance about this thing that you're doing. Pay us some money or we're going to dump all your data. And then the next day they disappear. So it, it's only been good to mislead journalists for maybe a day. And then everybody goes back to the more likely actor. Uh, so that's the weak version of this. What's the strong version? Uh -huh. The big bad bear. 
So yeah, now we're gonna talk about we're talking Brennan really fun stuff. Brennan. Um, Sophacy. I'm pretty sure everyone in this room knows about these guys. Uh, APT28. They're French. The news, French, especially in the past summer, you know, year or so. But these guys have been around for a handful of years. They've been really good, um, but lately they've been super active. So traditionally, again, through the grapevine, based out of Russia. Um, what's really cool about these guys is they have an immense, immense amount of resources. Um, they drop O days like a Pez dispenser. I mean, I think we caught four in one month from these guys. I, they, they just have like unlimited exploits, basically. Um, their infrastructure is huge. They maintain, I think uh, we pick up probably anywhere from a dozen to 20 new domains about every week that they're registering. Um, it's crazy when you think about the amount of resources it takes to manage something that large. Um, their attack infrastructure is enormous. Targeting uh, traditionally was government related. They were hitting foreign intelligence services, uh, different ministries and things like that, all the traditional targets. Then we'll talk about it in a little bit, but they've moved on. They were doing some counterterrorism work actually um, that was focused on CT related stuff for Russia. And then they actually started targeting media as well as what they consider, what you would consider dissidents uh, within Russia. Um, again, large amount of resources. And lately, they love to mess with people. They've been uh, pretty doing some pretty interesting things with uh, false fronts. So initially, back before, say, 2015, um, their TTPs were very common for an espionage actor. They were stealthy. They didn't want to get caught. They were careful with what they did. Their OPSEC was actually pretty good. Not the best, but they were pretty good. Um, then right around 2015, which uh, was right around the time, I believe, that Crimea started, um, they got kind of careless, and their OPSEC kind of went out the window. They were pretty brazen about things. Um, they didn't really care if they got caught. They would just basically walk in, smash the window, take what they want, walk out. Huh. Pre-2015, pre-Trump, they were careful. They were your standard espionage. They were very stealthy. After Trump, they were careless, brazen, sloppy. <laughs> very sloppy. Thanks. So kind of interesting, big shift in their TTPs. Uh, again, their targeting actually shifted right around the same time as well. They started, they went from targeting ministries and, and traditional government type targets they started hitting media, policy influencers, think tanks, and then they started targeting elections. And they've actually hit two, not just ours, um, they've actually hit two elections so far. And right around that time is when their deception operations started as well. And we'll go through a couple of those fronts uh, that we suspect are theirs or that have been confirmed as being theirs. So before we get into Ukraine, right, because we got to talk Ukraine now. Because as you could see, they're telling you, these are the Kapersky guys that do antivirus, anti-malware software. They're telling the world about PSYOPs using cyberspace. They're telling you when everything changed because they got desperate. Agenda 21 was failing. They needed to propel that faster. Unfortunately for them, there's people that have been sitting there and watching everything. Because if they can infiltrate, you better know that we good guys can infiltrate too. So that's how that happens. So let's look at our president today and what he had to say. I have a, a video of him leaving 
And um, let me just uh, put it on where it's a three-minute video of him talking because I know all of us want to hear him. You will. Don't worry. Remember, we've had two presidents, right? Two administrations for all, almost over four years, right? This one's going to be fun, though. So we're going to Texas. We're going to the southern border. As you know, we've completed the wall. They may want to expand it. We have the expansion underway. It's been tremendously successful, far beyond what anyone thought. We're stopping in large numbers the drugs coming into the country for many, many years and decades. Uh, we're stopping a lot of illegal immigration. Our numbers have been very good. There does seem to be a surge now because people are coming up. Some caravans are starting to form because they think there's going to be uh, a lot in it for them if they're able to get through. But we're able to stop it. The wall has made a tremendous difference. I think some of you are coming with me, but the wall has made a tremendous difference on the southern border. Uh, as far as this is concerned, we want no violence, never violence. We want absolutely no violence. And on the impeachment, it's really a continuation of the greatest witch hunt in the history of politics. It's ridiculous. For real. It's absolutely ridiculous. This impeachment is causing tremendous anger. And you're doing it, and it's really a terrible thing that they're doing. For Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to continue on this path, I think it's causing tremendous danger to our country, and it's causing tremendous anger. I want no violence. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. and divisive and they're showing something that I've been predicting for a long time. I've been predicting it for a long time and people didn't act on it. But I think big tech has made a terrible mistake and very, very bad for our country. And that's leading others to do the same thing. And it causes a lot of problems and a lot of danger. Uh, big mistake, they shouldn't be doing it. But uh, there's always a counter move when they do that. I've never seen such anger as I see right now, and that's a terrible thing, terrible thing. And you have to always avoid violence. And we have, we have tremendous support. We have support probably like nobody's ever seen before. Always have to avoid violence. What is your role in what happened at the Capitol? What is your So if you read my speech, and many people have done it, and I've seen it both uh, in the papers and in the media, on television, uh, it's been analyzed and people thought that what I said was totally appropriate. And if you look at what other people have said, politicians at a high level, about the riots during the summer, the horrible riots in Portland and Seattle and various other, other places, that was a real problem, what they said. But they've analyzed my speech and my words and my final paragraph, my final sentence, 
and everybody to the T thought it was totally appropriate. Okay, thank you. So um, the impeachment trials, think. They're impeaching him. Why? Why would they need to impeach, to impeach him? He's supposedly lost. Let's take a break. Let's take a little short coffee break. All right, guys, welcome back. So we're going to hit the ground running and we're going to start playing uh, the House debates for resolution on Pence to activate the 25th Amendment, which we talked about extensively. I was giving you the background about it months ago. I told you two weeks ago they had it ready. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just good at researching, right? Stay. Signed, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of Representatives. Her will be offered by Chaplain Kibben. Would you pray with me? God, our Redeemer, we approach you humbly asking that you sanctify this day and the proceedings that are, that are about to unfold. But we dare not ask your favor until we receive your forgiveness. We confess our complicity in the animosity and betrayal felt throughout our nation. We pray your forgiveness for the pride and selfish ambition lurking in the hearts of even the best of people. Have mercy on those who suffer the injustices we have unknowingly or knowingly perpetuated that have divided our country. Don't give us up to these vain inclinations, but save us from ourselves. Preserve each of us, those who speak and those who hear from being caught up in the hatred and vitriol ever present in these contentious deliberations. Then give us the favor of your presence among us that our eyes will be open to the light of your truth in the transforming of our minds, may we discern your will in these decisions of great import and national impact. We pray these things in the strength of your holy name. Amen. Pursuant to Section 5, 5A1A of House Resolution 8, the Journal of the Last Day's Proceedings is approved. The Pledge of Allegiance will be led by the gentlewoman from Massachusetts, Ms. Clark. For what purposes the gentlelady from Massachusetts rise? Madam Speaker, by the direction of the Democratic Caucus, I send to the desk a privileged resolution. The clerk will report the resolution. House Resolution 35 resolved that the following name members be and are hereby elected to the following standing committees of the House of Representatives. Committee on Ethics, Mr. Deutsch, Chair. Committee on Rules, Mr. McGovern, Chair. Mr. Hastings, Mrs. Torres of California, Mr. Perlmutter, Mr. Raskin, Ms. Scanlon, Mr. Morelli, Mr. Desanye, and Ms. Ross. Is there objection to consideration of the resolution? Without objection, the resolution is adopted and a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. For what purpose does the gentleman from North Carolina seek recognition? Madam Speaker, by the direction of the House Republican Conference, I send to the desk privilege resolution and ask for its immediate consideration. The clerk will report the resolution. House Resolution 36, resolved that the following name members be and are hereby elected to the following standing committees of the House of Representatives. Committee on Ethics, Mrs. Walorski. Committee on Rules, Mr. Cole, Mr. Burgess, Mrs. Lesko, Mr. Reschenthaler. Madam Speaker, I ask unanimous consent that the resolution be considered as read. Without objection, the resolution is adopted and a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Good. Pursuant to Clause 12A of Rule 1, the Chair declares the House in recess subject to the call of the chair.
So what you saw is exactly what you we expected, you guys, that they want to impeach this president. They will stop at nothing. Why? Because they know it's dual presidents, two presidents, and that's it. And that's what's going to happen. I mean, we've had it all this time. It's not the first time, is it? So this is where we're at. Tons of tons of tons of tons of. And didn't I say before I went out to D.C., what did I say? They got Pence all over that shit already. But you know what? It's in the nth hour. It's in that crunch. Diamonds are made under pressure. And a lot of people are asking the question, why didn't Speaker Pelosi appear? Where's she at? What's up? Is she fearful for her life? Like some of these people on Twitter are saying, they're unveiling the article. And I want you guys to see this. This is, oh, this is super incredible. Hold on. Let me find it. I want to find the exact video so you guys can see it. Um, give me a sec. Let me find it. Hold on. Um, what's it called again? House Democrats unveil article of impeachment against Trump. Hold on. You got it. You got it. You know, I can, I, I could have told you this a while back. I could have told you a lot of it, actually. But in the end, would you have believed it? <sighs> no. Everyone's now starting to see, damn, she's just been saying it without saying it. Kind of saying it, actually. But, you know, whatever. The reason this has to happen this way was so that you guys can understand it. Spoon feeding you wasn't good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Because you can't see things your eyes cannot digest, right? What you can't digest, you can't see. You can't understand. That's the way it is. It's, it's horrible, but it's true. You have to see it yourself. You have to see just how terrible they are because you couldn't fathom just how deep the deep state is. You know, great memes with the roots under the White House and the Capitol. Great way to say Comey's corrupt, Loretta Lynch, all of them. We already know the crimes that they've committed. We already know. Question is, why hasn't anything been done? Because that's not the end of it. Always said, when you pull a weed out of your garden, you don't yank it. You, you, you wiggle the soil around every fucking root until it's loose enough that you don't even have to pull it. It comes out on its own. So here is uh, what is trending on Twitter, of course, uh, this video of them talking about some of them were like, I was fearing for my life down there in the basement. Well, then that sucks. That means you're not doing your job. If you've got angry mobs outside, if you've got two and a half million Americans descending onto D.C., it means you're not doing your job. If you were doing your job, no one would hate you. No one would be out for you. That's the truth. Hold on. Came clear. Uh, the president quickly deleted that tweet and then tweeted, uh, I, I suppose this was his most, most forceful one. Go home. We love you. You're very special. That, that was at the end of the day, basically, when most of the the uh, devastating damage had already been wrought on the, on the people of, of the Congress. Um, my friends, um, when we talk about 
uh, the 25th Amendment, we don't have to find that the president committed a high crime and misdemeanor in inciting this mob insurrection. And I think there's overwhelming proof that he did. But we don't have to prove that for the 25th Amendment. All we have to ask is what. Yeah, well, I can prove that Ali Akbar was being paid by you guys. And I can prove that James Sullivan and John Sullivan were your operatives. So in essence, you guys did this. Jamie Raskin, how interesting. Go back to my show a couple months ago where I introduced you to this clown and how he's obsessed with the 25th Amendment. Then you think, why is he leading it now? Duh, told you so. Whether the president lived up to the most basic and minimal expectations for his duties of office. Can you imagine any other president of the United States doing what this president did? Can you imagine President Bush doing that? Can you imagine President Obama doing that? Can you imagine President Lincoln doing that? Franklin Roosevelt, the Democrat, or Teddy Roosevelt, the Republican. Can you imagine any other president in our history uh, encouraging and fomenting uh, mob violence? Again, stop. Didn't George Washington, who was so badass, cross the Delaware River in the middle of the night to kill the enemies of America in their fucking sleep on Christmas? Didn't Abraham Lincoln have traitors amongst his midst, his own generals flipping on him, and he instigated to attack his traitors? Does this guy know history? What is he talking about? I mean, we went and killed our enemies in their sleep on Christmas fucking day. What is he talking about? Against the Congress of the United States, against our people. Uh, that's the question. And if you're with me and you can't imagine any other president doing that. But they did. He failed the basic duties of office. Then I think the vice president has a duty to act. And I'm with Mr. Cole in saluting the vice president for doing his duty uh, on January the 6th. He came under enormous, phenomenal, unprecedented pressure by the President of the United States to step out of his role as the person simply presiding over the counting of electoral votes and to try to nullify and overturn the election. That just deepens uh, the complicity of the President with this horrific assault on the counting of the Electoral College. But the vice president stood up at that moment. We're asking the vice president to stand up again. For all of those uh, people who uh, voted, uh, I think, foolishly with uh, the president's uh, wishes to deny uh, the Electoral College votes that were cast by our states, by our state uh, officials, uh, despite the fact that the president brought 62 different cases in federal and state court and lost 61 of them soundly, decisively, and in many cases of uh, humil humiliatingly, as the judges uh, castigated the president for bringing such. Man, when I go down to the house and I testify, I, oh my God, look at this mask hole. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm going to just fast forward through him. I can't, no, no mask holes right now. Oh my gosh. I got to skip forward from this guy in hunger now. Shut up, you freaking liar. We don't need to have hunger on this planet. We self-invent that. We throw away tons of food every day. Losers. Oh, let me refresh this because Twitter doesn't want to be my friend. Hold on. Oh, foreign. Okay, you need to listen to her. I did not. I did not try to overturn. Hold on. 
That's fine. During the election. And 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 it went so, and, and the entire station was eight minutes. All right. So anyway, uh, I think you have answered my question, and I would now. No, you no. We, we have a double standard. You and Mr. Raskin are allowed to object in 2017. No Republicans are allowed to. Mr. Object. Chairman, can I respond to that? Uh, yes, I yield to the gentleman. Okay. Um, th there's a terrible false moral equivalent. Why the heck is Jim Jordan wearing a mask on a freaking Zoom call? Let's see going on here. Uh, throughout American history, a lot of members have tried to point out technical or procedural problems in the Electoral College. The one that I pointed out was that there were elected officials who were also electors in violation of the state constitution. I think it was in Florida, and I think I I simply raised that point for maybe guys. You really, you really, 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 really nowhere did I ever this incite for a mob insurrection. Yes, you the did. Maxine did. Pelosi did. Of people, you did. To take up the you trip. did. They did. They totally freaking did. A hundred million percent. They did. I even have the picture of it. Wait, I think I put it in the Telegram chat group. There needs to be unrest in the streets. Protesters should not let up. I just don't know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant or in a department store at a gasoline station, you get out there and you create a crowd and you push back and tell them they're not welcome anymore. Doesn't sound like any of them were, in, uh, you know, inciting violence at all, right? Totally not at all. Oh, wait. Fuck up, Mike, actually. <laughs> put it on Twitter. Hold on. I took it from him to put it on Telegram. Give me a second. I'm going to share that with you because that was super badass. Like, here's where they're like, we've never done this before. I don't know what you're talking about. We're all good. He said, I, I dare you to put it <laughs> on Facebook. And everyone gets fact checkers to say it's not true. Hold on. You instantly get fact checked. So let me just switch the screens for you so you can see this because this is incredible. This is this is incredible. This is why I like following him, too. He's like one of the first people I look up only because I love his content. He's like so salty. Look at this. What is this? Tell me again what this is. I think we all know what it is. And he tweeted out. Why don't you put this on Facebook and tell me what happens? Let me show you what happens when you put this stuff on Facebook. Um. Same information was checked by another post by independent fact checkers. Wait, there's more. Wait, where is it? Oh, now they're hiding tweets. Hold on. Let's go back to his Twitter feed. Here's another person. Didn't take the fuckers long either. Here's the fact checker. PolitiFact quotes by four Democrats twisted to make look like they endorse riots. Uh, they did. Uh, those are actually their quotes but they just didn't have burning buildings in the back. It was actually, um, what was it? It was actually, was it CBS or, or ABC that was in front of a burning building and said, most of the protesters here are peaceful while there was a building on fire behind them, right? Remember that? But they didn't instigate anything. No, they didn't. They did not. They did not. They're just like, what are you talking about? We never incited violence. Look, Raskin, you've had a hard on for this damn president to be impeached forever in a day. Like we're we're so over you, it's not even funny. And I don't know why Jim Jordan's wearing a damn mask in his own room on a Zoom call. 
I guess we can digitally get control of virus. Germans point who were convinced that Vladimir Putin with his cyber sabotage against the DNC and Hillary Clinton and so on had profoundly influenced the outcome of the 2016 election. But what did the Democrats do? They put on, uh, you know, pink winter hats, marched peacefully with a million people, joined Planned Parenthood, worked with their churches to try to reform America. Nobody was out there agitating for a violent armed insurrection against the government of the United States. Yes, they were. Yeah, um, I thank the gentleman. And I, I'll just conclude by saying, um, I acknowledge that Donald Trump was the president-elect the day after uh, the election. I didn't like it, but I acknowledged it. Uh, the trouble I can't here watch is my friends have been spending it. the last few months saying that the election. I want to watch the whiny that. chick. My okay. understanding is he the took the mask off finally. As a defender of the Constitution, he said he is not going to invoke the 25th Amendment, Section 4. He's, he's, he's said that. My understanding is the vice president and the uh, president were together yesterday talking about this issue and, and others as well. So uh, Vice President Pence has been clear. As you know, he uh, we, we both had the opportunity to serve with him. He was a mentor to me. I think you and he came about the same time, but I, I came after the vice president was here and he has been very clear where he stands on this issue that the uh, the other side is bringing forward. So you trust him to make the judgment? Mike Pence, uh, we, yeah, Mike Pence is, is a good guy. I trust him. Uh, I, think, I think the country trusts him. I think the president trusts him. Fuck that's, no. Uh, that's all the other question I have, Mr. Uh, chairman, I'll get back. <laughs> Thank you very much. I to uh, the gentlewoman from California, Torres. <laughs> This, this is hilarious. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. You know, throughout, throughout our history, the Rules Committee has met to discuss many, many historic measures. And today is no exception. We are making history once again. And to discuss events that will forever stain this great institution in our democracy. I speak today in support of the Raskin Resolution, a call for Vice President Pence to live up to the oath he swore upon taking office. An oath that says he will protect the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And bitch, that includes you. You are a domestic enemy. That is what she is. Look at that face. Norma, Norma. What kind of fucking, nope, I'm not going to say it. Nope, I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Let's go. Wait. Let's go to the, to the fun part. Here. Spun out of control under um, the lethal negligence and recklessness of people in government, um, as well as a lot of propaganda and disinformation about that. And I don't think we can tiptoe around that reality either. There was a lot of propaganda and disinformation uh, from denial of the reality of COVID-19, which still persists in some places, uh, to uh, asserting that you could uh, you know, cure yourself with injections of uh, bleach and so on. Um, to continued, you know, disinformation about vaccine and so on. So we've got to get back on the high road there. But we have millions of people who are mourning 
family members uh, who died uh, in, of COVID-19, who died in the opioid crisis, who died of gun oh my God. Our country is hurting. I know, right? Trump created the control of virus. He brought the opioid epidemic. He did all of that, didn't he, Raskin? Ratskin, I like that. Hold on. Wait. There we go. Fucking mask hole. Which was rejected. His duties and powers to the fullest and consistent with the Constitution. There are others who see our weakness. This stupid bitch was chairing the, the thing for Pelosi. You guys are going down so hard. So hard. Now let's watch a nice little patriotic woman who told off uh, Chuck Schumer live while he was on TV. I am glad. Hold on. I love her. I love her. This is it. They should not be safe. We should be confronting them everywhere. We should be saying, oh, you want to do this? Well, you're going to hear me because I'm a constituent. I pay your damn salary. I am glad. I didn't think that the Trumpsters had it in them. I didn't think the conservatives did. But you know what? You racist socialists can dish it out, but you can't take it. And remember this, Adolf Hitler was a socialist. And that's exactly who you follow. You're nothing but a coward. Seeing you hide underneath your desk, I actually got sexually excited over it. That's how much I loathe you. That's how much I'm glad what they did. And like that, people up said, People do what they do. After all, she doesn't care about monuments and neither do I. And where in the First Amendment does it say that you have to protest peacefully and politely? As long as there's outrage and unrest in our hearts, there's going to be unrest in these streets. I don't give a shit whether you believe it. You're nothing but a cracker. That's all you are is a racist cracker. You can dish it up. Look, you've got protection. Why don't you tell them to stand down, hypocrite? Did you tell the Capitol Police to stand down? Did you tell them to stand down? Yes, he did. Answer the question. No, stand down. He told the police to stand down. In Kenosha, Seattle, Portland, Chicago, Boston, New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. And you know what? These Trump supporters are going to go to your house. They're going to go to Pelosi's house. They'll destroy her vineyard. And I will be right there to support them. Don't you say it's enough. No, no, shut up. Shut up. Hey, so let's just watch what Schumer said. This is what you missed. This is this is why you should watch movies and videos with me. Wait, 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 wait. This is the good part. Obviously, he's loving this because now he could say that our house was burned down because of Trump supporters. And then they'll get some crisis actors that they'll arrest and then release because they don't exist. There's a page that says this person doesn't exist.com. I urge you to go take a look at that. I've told you about that page before. You might, if you search long enough, find a lot of people that have been arrested and released because everything's digital. Therefore, we can make shit up. Okay, watch. Is it here? Wait, wait, right here. Just wait. It's right here. Hold on. There we go. You tell them to stand down. Answer the question. No, stand down. He told the police. Can we remove her? Did you see it? Look. He told the police. Can we remove her? You know, Having one ear that doesn't work well, I get really good at lip reading. He told the police can we to remove stand her? Down. You can hear it too. <laughs> can you remove her? Can you remove her? 
That's what's up. That's what's up. They let her rant and they were telling her she needs to shut up. No, she doesn't. She's a constituent. She could say whatever she wants. And just because she says something doesn't mean that it's, you know, that it's, uh, that it's going to happen. But, you know, Antifa is. I think one of the things that I tweeted out is if they won, why are they rioting in New York? Why are they planning riots if they won? Because they're going to riot and say it was you. That's what they're going to do. They want your guns. It's the only reason we're not like Europe right now. They want your guns. Again, two presidents. That's what's up. Two presidents. That's what's up. And you know what's funny? They're deploying National Guard to protect the inauguration. Who the fuck is going to go see Joe Biden get sworn in? Let's be honest. Who's going to go? Who's going to go? Ah, they'll pay their tickets. We're going to find that too. Every single person that goes there, we're going to find out that they got paid. Same freaking account. We got this all on lockdown. I already know <laughs> one organization that's paying to send people there. That's what's up. So again, even though it's going to be majority virtual because of control of virus, right? They're paying to send people out there. And what's weird is, is that those radicals, those mercenaries for Black Lives Matter, I ran into a guy that was at the plaza on the day while everyone was going to the Capitol, I was leaving for work. And um, Patrick was insisting on going one way. And I said, no, the other way. He actually texted me two days later. He's like, shit, I just reflected. You knew. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? But I did. And uh, we went through Black Lives Matter Plaza. And then when I was leaving, uh, after uh, Bergie left to go to his hotel, uh, I, I saw a guy. He had all these flags. And I was like, damn, are you tired? He's like, yeah. You know, I've been here six months. I mean, they pay me well. I got a room. But yeah. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I mean, the money's not that good. He goes, oh, you, you need to go see this. But then the freaking car came to get me. And it was like, oh, yeah, sorry. Got to go. And I didn't want him to see the car. Damn it. Should have gotten the contact of who I needed to contact to get better paid to be at the plaza. See, because I dress all in black, one, because it's slimming. And two, I don't know. It's like a New York thing, I think. But it also helps me blend in with the Antifas. I'm just like round. I'm not usually the, you know, tweaking one. So um, these people get paid. There's going to be a lot of people that are getting paid. I mean, you saw them at the Capitol. They all had organized walkie-talkies. They had handlers on each end, right? They had smoke bombs. What kind of what kind of patriot goes down there to destroy the stuff we pay for? None. Is them losers. You know? Biden, like Pelosi said, remember, wait, let me show you. Let me show you that again. Because you need to see it. Let me show you. Because I, I, you know, people keep sticking on little words. Let me show you. Pelosi told you this months ago. Just listen. Let me share that video. Let's watch this video. You need to watch this video again. It's really important you watch it. it. Because a lot of people keep forgetting. You hang on words because you're watching other people give you analysis. No offense. Whatever. Just listen to your president and listen to what they tell you. They tell you everything you need to know. So when someone's like, I saw somewhere a comment, I can't even see it. You just said he's being inaugurated. She told you he's being inaugurated. Here we go. He will be leaving. 
Uh, just because he might not want to move out of the White House doesn't mean we won't have an inauguration ceremony to inaugurate a duly elected president of the United States. Mm. And the uh, I just, you know, I'm second in line uh, to the presidency. And just last week, I had my regular continuation of government briefing. This might interest you because it's, I say to them, this mm -hmm. is never going to happen. God willing, it never will. But there is a process. It has nothing to do with that the certain occupant of the White House doesn't feel like moving and has to be fumigated out of there because the presidency is the presidency. It's not geography or location. So, so much for him. I wouldn't spend so much time on it. <laughs> she told you they're going to inaugurate him. You like it or not, they're going to inaugurate him. Not my president. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. You guys served another president and didn't let us enjoy ours. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> what goes around comes around, right? What goes around comes around. Now, let's get into Ukraine. So that way you can see how things go around and how they come full circle. Because this is going to be relevant at the Supreme Court on the 15th. And again, it kind of coincided with the Ukrainian conflict, the annexation in Crimea. Why the shift in TTPs? I don't know. I mean, you could kind of say, well, there was a, you know, an increased operational tempo, maybe. Increased operational tempo to usher in Agenda 21? Maybe, right? Maybe. Because we need to talk about this here. Coincided with the Ukraine conflict and economic struggle, color revolution where Obama had sent military personnel from the United States to pose as Ukrainian fighting amongst Ukrainians so they could blame Russia, of course. And while that was happening, they were having elections. And while they were having elections, Biden was saying, you need to fire this motherfucker. And not only that, he was like, this president needs to come out. You got to fire this dude. And his son had a company set up all at the same time. Oh, and they did wear the color orange. Like, Scammy Davis Jr. They had so much stuff that they had to accomplish. There was so much stuff going on. Not really sure, but there was definitely a huge shift right around that time. So we've changed our slides a little bit on this one. What I wanted to do was I want to put on one page everything that we know that they've hit in the last couple of years. And it's pretty eye-opening. I'm pretty sure most of you would know these onesie twosie you've read in the news here and there. But to see all of these targets on one page, it's pretty crazy to think about what they've done in the last two years. Uh, yeah, if I can interject for a little bit before we kind of do the really revealing slide. Uh, I don't know how many of you may have seen our paper before this. We actually dropped a sizable paper on most of this research, but we wrote it at the beginning of the summer, before all the election hacks, before all these uh, really notable drops. Uh, that were related to fancy verisophacy and so on. And when we put together the paper, the idea that they were putting these false fronts forward was kind of outlandish. They weren't, it wasn't really acceptable. Uh, we wrote the paper, we started kind of putting this information out there, and then so much happened that now it's perfectly acceptable or believed that it is sophacy behind these different fronts. So we wanted to kind of shift things a little bit so you can get a snapshot view of just how active they have been over the past year or so. Uh, and kind of get an understanding, not just of the fronts that you already know about, but how much of a trend it has been for this actor over the past two years. Yeah. So, okay. So they started off, um, Ukrainian government, obviously. Not only the government, but they actually went in. 
block cell phone calls for government officials. They hacked billboards. They hit critical infrastructure. They targeted the election committee in Ukraine. Crazy stuff for an actor to go in and just do this. And they really didn't care. I mean, we'll tell you in a minute, you know, the front that they were using, but they were like, yeah, whatever. Um, then they moved on and they've hit German uh, Bundestag and parliament. They've actually hit them at least twice now. Um, and if anybody's familiar with what elections are coming up in 2017, you've got France, you've got Germany, and I believe uh, we're actually starting to see targeting in Greece right now as well. So I don't know, maybe we'll be doing this talk in a, you know, next year and we'll talk about the German election cycle. Um, they went ahead and they hit the Warsaw Stock Exchange. This one was really cool, actually, um, not for Poland, obviously, but... Um, I'm going to skip the, forward. <laughs> sorry. Recently, they hit WADA. Uh, and Wait a minute. What did you see here? Oh, uh, CENTCOM. Oh, you want to hear what they had to say about it? Hold on. There we go. U.S. media outlets. You mean that's how Brennan did it? Wait, let me just let you hear it. The, <laughs> sorry. The leader of Poland came out uh, when the Crimean um, conflict was happening, and they said, okay, we're moving all of our troops to the border of Russia because we're terrified at what's going to happen. So we're just, you know, kind of flexing our muscle, pushing all of our troops up there. Two days later, the Warsaw Stock Exchange gets hit and it's plastered all over the internet. And it was basically a giant middle finger. Um, and they said, hey, okay, fine, we'll hit your stock exchange. Then they turned their attention to media outlets. They hit the US media, they hit Newsweek. Um, they hit some media outlets in uh, Maryland, Arizona, I believe. Uh, yeah, there was one uh, in Baltimore. Um, they were sending uh, fake ISIS propaganda across on news, uh, like text alerts. So anybody that had subscribed to that local media station to get text alerts for certain news, they were getting SMS messages from ISIS essentially on their cell phones. Why they were doing it, I don't know, causing havoc. They, hard, they targeted the French media, they, uh, the TV5 Mond uh, incident. They were able to shut down, I think it was like 12 uh, stations nationally throughout France and they actually broadcast ISIS propaganda across that as well. They hit CENTCOM. Um, they hacked CENTCOM's Twitter account and they plastered an ISIS banner right across on CENTCOM's Twitter page. Kind of funny to see that, but they didn't like it too much. Um, we have the Saudi Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Now this one I put suspected there. Uh, I'm a firm believer that this was them. Other people don't believe that it was. Uh, so they like hit CENTCOM's Twitter, he uh, says. Hold on. Ukraine. Here's where we um, get fun just Ukraine and a couple other things was cyber Berkut. Um, okay. So have you guys read my affidavit? You know, the one that people were talking shit about. They, well, they, they didn't talk about data to make on. it look like the Bradley foundation had donated all hold these on. millions of dollars to the Clinton campaign. Um, just crazy to see all of that on one page. All right. So cyber recruit. So, um, if you read my uh, actual declaration, you'll see that I talked about this. Because unbeknownst to many, the people that were hired from the United States to go there were hired by me. So I put it in there. And uh, 1,200 Americans went there as temps to uh, fix the elections. Well, if you take those 1,200 names and apply them to the elections in Pittsburgh and, you know, Philadelphia and Georgia, guess what you'll find? Oh, shoot. I guess, you know, you went to the Ukraine and helped out, and you came here to help out too. That's very interesting. Hmm? 
Because this is how narratives happen. Mm? This is how narratives happen. Exactly like this. Boom shaka. As far as the personas that they've used. So, you know, typically when you're an espionage actor, you don't want to be publicly out there doing this stuff, right? It's kind of plausible deniability. You want to have that fake front. So it's not like Brennan's going to be like, yeah, it's us doing it. Even though Obama signed a damn, you know, uh, notice of aid to Ukraine outlining that we are sending them 1,200 temporary employees, 250 permanent employees, and signing them up with CIDL to help their elections. We don't want anybody to see, so we'll just create all these nice personas. So they started creating these personas. The first one, when it was uh, with relation to Ukraine and a couple other things, was Cyber Berkut. Um, back when I think it was Yanukovych was kind of ousted out of uh, Ukraine, the Berkut, which was his, his uh, like kind of secret police force, was disbanded. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, Cyber Berkut pops up. They're kind of the cyber arm for the police force, supposedly. This was the front that Sophocy was using at the time to do all these attacks against Ukraine. Then on came... Sophocy, the same one that used Sophie in France to write the code with Russian code to do the FBI face services. And that's how our U.S. database had the face of the bomber in Belgium in it and nobody asked questions. So cyber caliphate, cyber recruit... It never existed, but it existed afterwards because they were the ones that did what? Have you seen the Ukraine elections? You should read my affidavit. Because just as that guy that was ousted was freaking winning, guess what happened? I'm going to tell you something that you've never heard of before, right? They're counting, they're counting all of the votes, right? The machines for CIDL and that have the same identical software as Dominion in the little trap door. We're counting the ballots. And then the other dude was winning. Guess what happened? Everybody stopped. Oh, we're not going to count the votes right now. We're going to turn our machines off one second. And then it's like suddenly the guy that Biden wanted to win won. Oh, my gosh. It's like, what? What? Who stops counting ballots and then resumes later with a huge lead for the other dude? You never heard of that, have you? Oh, wait a minute. We just saw that happen here. Right? Sounds so familiar. Yet this shit happened in 2014, 2015. Oh my gosh, it happens in almost every name. Like magic. They just all like, yeah, we're just going to stop counting right now. In the middle of the night, we're just going to stop counting. Because it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. We're going to stop. And then we're going to start again. And suddenly he's going to win. And you know what happened? Cyber Berkut said, we deleted their scripts. Oh, you mean like in 2016 where Brennan's team didn't have access to the internet to deploy the fucking scripts to mess with the algorithm. But what Cyber Berkut did was they deleted the scripts so they couldn't fix the algorithm. So they stopped counting. So wait a minute. Hold on a second. Wait. So let's think. It's 2020, right? We already know they did this in 2016 because someone cut the cut the cables and they didn't have internet access and they couldn't freaking deploy the script. So it's we let them deploy the scripts in 2017, 2018, 2019, saw them visibly during the Kentucky elections. No biggie right there. So we saw all this evidence. We had all this evidence, right? 
But in 2020, they did the same thing where they manually deployed the scripts because they couldn't do it through the internet. No, some places had the ability to go through the internet. Other places had those temps that were sent to the Ukraine sitting in the office to do it for them. You see, that's the way it is. Now, very curious, because it's the same thing that happened. Same exact thing. You see, they have a plan, and you should trust it. Because they don't veer off the plan because they don't make it. Their bosses do. That's the thing. Now, today, as we covered, cyber camouflage. Getting on other platforms. There's DLive. There's Twitch. There's, I, I mean, they have BitChute, but you can only upload there. You can't interact. I like interacting with you guys. There's Telegram. And see, I told you guys last year, let's get on it. And I was pushing it on other platforms. Let's get on it. Why? Because that's the only way that we're going to be able to communicate. Now, um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And sometimes disinformation is purposeful. But in a time like this, because I see a lot of the comments, I, I'm a speed reader. And even though I have hundreds of comments from all being pulled onto my feed right here, I see all the Twitch, uh, the Undernet, uh, the YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, as long as I'm there. I want you guys to, to remember what I told you. Because I don't want to knock people, even though I really do. I'm not gonna. You have to think of yourself. Where do you invest your energy to get your information? Because it's obviously not the news. Because if you're like me, you're probably going to break your TV, break your phone, start shouting out it, and, and you're just going to get upset. So what do you do? Because I see a lot of names being dropped. Oh, I listened to this. I listened to that. It's like, what have I told you? Don't even listen to me. Just listen to your president. And now that your president's not there, there's a lot of people that are telling you oohs and ahs. People that have been pushing fake narratives, wannabe narratives, trashing other people. Think, why are they trashing other people? Oh, maybe because they're part of the organization. Maybe they're part of that conglomerate. Then you have others that all they did was decode. <laughs> And then others that say, I spoke directly to so-and-so. I didn't speak to anybody. I can tell you that for a fact. There's other people that are waiting for a comeback. Oh, we're going to get a message here and there, waiting so that they can be relevant. What you need to do is focus on you and focus on your gut. That's it. There's so many people popping out of nowhere as insiders. <laughs> Whatever. Where were you for the past three years? Where are you? telling the people and arming them with tools. That's what you think. The president has been arming you with all the tools you need to learn, to be able to discern, because it's going to be very important. This is the year of disappointment. You think out of the gate you were disappointed. Damn, you've got more disappointment coming. Hate me now. You're going to love me later. I can, I can drop some really good truth, because truth is the only way that you can dispel lies. And like my granddad said, in the end, poop floats to the top and it comes out. And what you need to do is not expend your energy on rabbit holes. Instead, educate yourself and arm yourself. That's what you need to do. Not listen to someone who says, I heard they're doing this. I heard they're doing that. Can you see that all of us are dark? Purposefully? 
It's time to look within yourself and realize what nation you want. <laughs> All of you should be thinking of your children and your children's children. All you need to do is watch a movie of some dystopic future, like Gattaca or something. Or what's that other one? Oh, I forget that other one. And just realize that that's the reality they want. Full, unfettered control of you. You are the commodity. There is nothing free. If something's free, you're the commodity. You understand that? That is what you need to look at. Now, I know there's a lot of things that you're seeing happening. Things that I've told you on other platforms. Like I said, you've probably been following me for a very long time and just didn't know it was me. Because, you know, I was ushered into the spotlight in 2018. I had to. Or else I would have been a dead voice. That's what they do, right? They trash you. They mud you. Instead, I stand proud. Throw the mud at me. I love those arrows. My president doesn't bend over when they throw an arrow. I'm definitely not either. What you have to understand is it's all in you. You are the writers of history. You have that pen, and it's up to you to write it. Don't wait for someone to guide your hand. You know exactly what story you want told. So that is what you should be focusing on. Your reality, you fix it yourself. Reality hackers like me is, it, it, huh. we would hijack nations, leaders around the world to make them do what we want. Those that we couldn't buy, we hijacked. And a lot of people will say, well, how are you not hijacking us? Well, I'm telling you, here are the tools of how you hijack anyone's reality. Here are the tools. I'm showing them to you. I'm giving them to you. Why? Because then you realize that those tools have no power over you if you decide how to move forward. You write your history. If you're sitting there saying, oh, we're like totally screwed. Say for whatever reason, let's just pretend because there's tons of scenarios. Let's just pretend. Say for whatever reason, they have uh, uh, a President Biden uh, inauguration and, you know, you're seeing it, they're celebrating it. It's all over the media. They're going to tell you that globally, right? Globally. And you buy into that. Well, there goes you writing your history, following under the shadows of the shadow government and kneeling to them. Well, you're the pen holder. Why are you telling them how? The story goes. Why, why are you letting them tell you how to write it? It's like they have their hand on your hand and, and you're scribbling along whatever they tell you. You do it. You resonate in unison. You do it. Who's your president? You decide. What does your voice say? You decide. Now, a lot of people ask, well, who's this person? Who's that person? Should I trust this person? Huh. The only person you should trust is yourself yourself. Now, I, myself, have been under the guise of other identities online. And originally, originally, to uh, light fires under butts of the shadow government, for sure. <sighs> but I have been telling the whole world who I am. 
But I don't think people are listening, and none of them are telling you who they are. I know we love mystery, right? But if you listen long enough, everybody tells you who they are. The president has been telling you who he is. I've been telling you who I am. There's many other people that tell you who they are and what they stand for with no frills, no puff, no perfume, just straight out. So are you honest with yourself to tell yourself who you are? That's the core. You decide how this nation moves forward. Nobody else does. Nobody else does. Nobody can tell you what happens tomorrow. Nobody can tell you what happens in the next second. You're the master of that. Nobody else. So I'm hearing that the president will be speaking uh, from the border later. So I would love to watch it with you. Uh, and in order to do that, I'm going to have to cut to a break. But without breaking, what I am thinking of doing is doing the following. Where is it? Gosh darn it. I'm going to kind of look. Hold on. Damn it. I just closed that browser too. Shoot. Okay. Let's get this. This is going to be fun. Okay. Uh, where is it? Um, where is it? January. Hold on. This is totally not being my friend. Give me a second. Where are you? That's 2021. I need 20. Why is this doing this? Okay. Um, wait. Here's what you're going to... I'm going to do a little bit of a replay for you until the president comes so you can stay on and listen to it. Um, 5th of November, 2018. It really not being my friend really not being my friend. I knew it wouldn't be. It always goes like that, doesn't it, guys? Whoop. Here we go. Let's find that. We'll have that in a second. I'm going to have to go back to my videos, which I can't post anymore on the main YouTube channel. I'm not allowed to. I have been banned from putting things. I got my second community strike. So it sucks. There we go. Right here we go, and when the president comes on, we'll um we'll stop it. So I want you guys to remember if this has happened and this was known from before, then obviously a lot of other people have known from a long time too. So let's travel back in time to 2019 and 2018 and a lot of um things we should uh, i guess understand uh, a little bit better so that way we know what is coming and what is happening uh we're going to examine what a genius strategy our president had and implemented for the first almost three years of his administration which is the economy because this is key the more people you pull out of poverty, the less likely it is for them to request or approve of uh, socialist programs. So in actual fact, November 5th, 
is actually my anniversary. But there's a reason that I didn't mention it. And uh, the reason is a clip that I'm going to play for you. Um, I'm all about... Mm, I say treason. We should not underestimate treasonous people. Take a listen. It's that I dedicate this concerto in honor of the holiday she seems to have taken from these parts and in recognition of the imposter that stands in her stead. Tell me, do you know what day it is, Evie? Um, November the 4th. Not anymore. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason, and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. First, the overture. Yes. Yes, the strings. Listen carefully, can you hear it? Now the brass. I can hear it. He blew up the fake Lady Justice, per se, iconically. And this is something that our president wants us to remember the 5th of November. Um, it's important that we remember it because a lot of things happened yesterday. A lot of things that we didn't see, that we didn't realize happened Um while the left today is bombarding us uh, with distractions and claiming uh, that they have won the battle because of what happened in Kentucky, what they do not realize is, is that it's all coming apart at this. Well, no, they do realize it. This is why they're doing it. But what we average people don't realize is that it's coming apart at the seams. Coming apart at the seams. Now, uh, I don't know if any of you follow George Webb, but it's important that um, I play his coverage of the uranium trial update from yesterday. Uh, it's a very short clip. I want you guys to listen to it. And, uh, well, listen to. Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, November the 5th, uh, 2000. Hold on. What I wanted to say is before I restarted is that um, 19 George Webb here in Greenbelt, Maryland at Maryland District Court, U.S. District Court. OK, so it's not really working with me. So there is a star witness uh, that came in, but he's going to mention something that's key. And this is going to be where we're going to have a conversation and revisit things that I talked about on November 6th of 2017 and November 6th of 2018 and why they're important now. Because sometimes if we look to the past, it clearly outlines what's happening today and what is to come in the future. 
And, uh, uh, you know, I say this not from the point of reference of Project Pegasus or Alice in Wonderland, but uh, what I'm talking it about it from is from the, the point of reference of um, predictive movements, okay? Because everyone can see that. If you stand on the moon and look at events unfold, it makes sense. Kind of how I was telling you about Venezuela. And we'll get to that because Scott Adams, who is sick today, is like the hundredth person that has either told me, texted me, or sent me an email telling me, oh my God, have you seen Jack Ryan season two on Amazon? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I haven't. It was pretty good. Episode went, oh my gosh, Jack Ryan, like, while this is going on, it's like, oh my gosh, I see you in there. Like so I'm going to leave it there. I wanted you guys to remember, huh? remember the 5th of November. So now we're going to get to 2018. I wanted you guys to remember that I pointed out that he was very sick. Like, oh, who cares, right? <laughs> Wait, now we go into 2018. Please enjoy the show. I've actually put the audio on like, um, you know, a background thing um, to like videotape it. So that way it's easier. Let's um, share that. Give me a sec. Because I had to like move it around. There it is. Okay. We can all hear Phoebe singing too. <laughs> Unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Today is November 5th, 2018. It's Monday, and it's my first show. Now, I have to admit, I chickened out. I was supposed to do this live, but um, unfortunately, I'm not that savvy multitasking with equipment that I'm not very familiar with. So I'm the new voice on Red State Radio. Red State Talk Radio. I am going to start my show, which I hope has a good 10-year um, run, right? 10-year plan, right? And um, during this first episode, I can introduce myself. So my name is Tori, and um, I am not going to stick to titles and tiaras, but I can tell you that as my first show, you will get to know me, uh, and I'll be that voice blaring through your headset and headphones and car speakers and Alexas, Google devices, whatever that may be. Not regurgitating the news, but giving you the news you need to know, but also the tools, the tools that you will need so you can parse out misinformation, disinformation. Now, don't get me wrong. Some disinformation is necessary, and I'll tell you why. Like most of you now listening, you were...
like most of you, I as well started a movement. Now, many of you might be on a movement of clarity, a movement of reevaluating what you want from your nation. And during these midterm elections, what we have is millions of people advocating to shut. Um, what we have is millions of people advocating to shatter our borders, right? We have elections tomorrow, and I'll tell you what, even though we would love the House and Senate, my prediction is the only thing we'll have is the Senate, because that's the only thing that counts, and I'll tell you why. Impeach, that's what they'll scream, impeach, I mean, they spied. They lied. They lied again, and they lied again, and they will impeach. They will impeach. But just like many things that will not make sense to many. Oh, General Flynn is going to be sentenced soon. It's going to be, you know, next year, right? <laughs> I'm telling you now, he's not. I'm telling you, our house in 2020 will be filled with faces you would not expect. And our Senate will be that of people you would not expect. You would not expect that the Republicans would take the Senate, but they will lose the House. And uh, I'm going to say this now. All the Republicans in the Senate are not on the America First train. Keep that in mind. The House is going to help the world see exactly what type of politics have been playing in our nation for decades. Now, all these reports with these cars filled with ballots, the fraud in Florida, don't worry about it. It's okay. We're watching. We're learning. That's how you get to know thy enemy. I think it's important that I play a clip. I know that I've been deterred to not to, but I think the best way for you to understand why we are taking the Senate back is key. You must understand this portion to be able to understand the strategy. Because I'm going to tell you something. You must remember the 5th of November, November 5th, 2020. <laughs> Yeah, it's not election day. It's uh, two days after election day. The elections for the re-election of the president of the United States that are to come will be insane. It'll be the first time that the people of the United States will actually vote in some states. And borders, cities and states. Man, keep this in mind. In December of 2013, I was aware of an underground type group. Their goal, their goal was to ensure that the House and Senate be given to the Democrats in full because they expected that in 2016, Hillary Clinton would be president. But now that same group, after the USA finally got a president of the people, they have been working diligently for these midterms and the elections that are coming. Now, they're hoping that these midterms, they take the House and Senate 
Because if they do take the House and the Senate, then guess what? Hmm. That means they get President Trump out of office. Now you'll say that's rubbish. We will never let it happen. But if they have House and Senate majority, that's it. They're pushing to impeach this president. Now, guys, you ready for this? I'm going to show you because I've been saving it. Hold on. Where is it? There we go. Okay. Do you see that? 2013, what does it say? Hashtag DC shutdown. What? 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 See, these people have been planning it for a very, very very long time. So I just wanted to show you that so you know what I mean by this underground movement and that you understand what I mean by this underground movement. Not yet. I mean, first we have to dig up all the garbage they have off overseas, right? We have to catch them, but we've already done that. How do I know? Because like I said, I may indeed be a sneaker peeker. I tweet that all the time, don't I? I sneak and peek. I have what someone would say a device that allows me and has the ability to travel time and relative dimension in space. But that device is not an actual device. I don't have a vehicle. I don't have anything. I mean, I guess... I did have access to a special computer, but the best computer is a weapon hidden inside my mind, just like you have one between those six inches between our ears. For now, let's just call it fancy math. <laughs> a little bit out there for you? <laughs> well, enjoy the ride, because up until the elections, man. Now, let me demonstrate to you exactly what's at stake. And I won't tell you that because, you know, people love tiaras and titles. So I thought the best way to showcase it to you is by playing this old clip from NPR. It was just done a few months ago where, yeah, NPR, station that we pay for with our money, actually is telling you their plan if you're paying attention. So you want to impeach the president? Here it is. Take a listen. By impeachment, but it's hard to watch the news these days without hearing the word. So what does it actually take to impeach a president? First, a member of the House of Representatives brings a resolution of impeachment, and that happens from time to time. Not a big deal in and of itself. Number two, the House Judiciary Committee would have to produce a majority vote to advance that impeachment resolution to the full House. Third, the full House would have to have a majority vote for the impeachment resolution. Fourth and finally, the Senate would sit as a jury judging the president and the impeachment resolution. So as you see, the House it does the majority of the work, but the Senate is the one that seals the deal. So the House can bring a resolution for impeachment, no big deal. It happens all the time for whatever. Then they go to the House Judiciary Committee. They talk about it. Oh, dear, dear, dear. I'm going to tell you something. The Judiciary Committee is so sloppy. <laughs> but the sloppiest one is the House Intelligence Committee. I'm just letting you know that. Mm, pencil necks. Think about that. Just remember that. Because you know what they do? 
It's like the ones with the protractors. They think they're sneaky, but they're not. You can see them. You got a pocket protector? Well, I might be sitting right on there, per se. Per se. Mm. But the Judiciary Committee isn't the problem. It's the Intelligence Committee. Intelligence Committee has access to the intelligence community and has one of the highest clearances as members of Congress. I mean, that and, uh, you know, foreign affairs. I mean, it would be wild if we dropped in someone like Ilhan Omar on that, wouldn't it? But what did happen? What? Yes, unfortunately. But that's okay. See, because we need to have them in these positions. Because one thing you'll get tired of me saying over the next 10 years is they pull their own pants down slowly but surely. So what we need to make sure is that we have the Senate. Because the Senate is the one that decides if it is done, this is where the trial happens. And guess what? Senate seats are six years on term, six years of power, six years of gym memberships and, you know, tax relief and tons of money. So, you know, senators don't want to go against the people. They want to stay there for six years, if not two terms, so they can get 12. And a majority of two thirds of the Senate would have to vote to convict the president of bribery or treason or, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors. You know what's interesting? I just want to say high crimes and misdemeanors like bribery. The question is, who else is sneaking and peeking? I mean, bribery? That's not supposed to come around until another year from now. <laughs> Quid pro quo. <laughs> That's like the that's like the slang of bribery because it doesn't always have to be money. Here's five dollars, do me the job, or the hundred dollars that you pass on to, you know, the bouncer at a club, right? This is scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, okay? And so, how does this gentleman at NPR know about quid pro quo? Sounds like they're all colluding for impeachment. See, these are the clues. Unquote. And if you're wondering what that last phrase really meant in the Constitution, don't feel lonely. People have been debating it for more than two centuries. The first attempt at impeachment involved President John Tyler in the 1840s. It didn't get very far, basically because the midterm elections of 1842 switched party control in the U.S. House and Tyler left office after just one term. A far more serious impeachment effort was mounted against President Andrew Johnson in 1868 when he fired his Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton. Uh, Congress stood with Stanton, mostly because the members of Congress just didn't like Andrew Johnson very much, regarding him as too sympathetic to the former Confederate states. Uh, Johnson was, in fact, impeached in the House, but he was not convicted in the Senate by one vote. For a full century thereafter, impeachment seemed something of a relic, but all that changed in 1973. Despite having won a 49-state landslide re-election the year before, Richard Nixon found himself embroiled in a scandal over a break-in at the Democratic Party's national headquarters during that re-election year. A Democratic majority in the House was prepared to impeach him with help from some Republicans. In the Senate, the sentiment against Nixon was even more bipartisan than it had been in the House. At the same time, 
Nixon's approval ratings were plummeting, and the president eventually felt it necessary to simply resign his office before the impeachment process could be completed in August of 1974. Two dozen years later, Democratic President Bill Clinton was impeached by a Republican majority House in the case of a White House intern named Monica Lewinsky, with whom he had been having an affair. Bill Clinton was charged by the House with perjury and obstruction of justice. Clinton's case then moved to the Senate, but unlike the background for Nixon's impeachment process, Bill Clinton's approval ratings were actually rising during that fall of 1998, and in the midterm election of that November, Republicans did remarkably poorly, so much so that Clinton's nemesis, Republican Newt Gingrich, was forced out as Speaker of the House. Uh, for me to stay in the House would make it impossible for a new leader to have a chance to grow, to learn, and to do what they need to do. They completed the impeachment process nonetheless in that body, but in the Senate, Nowhere near two-thirds of the senators were willing to vote to convict, so Bill Clinton finished out his second term in office. Some Democrats today have taken a lesson from that rather surprising turn of events. As much as those Democrats might welcome the work of Robert Mueller, the special counsel, they are concerned it might cost them politically in 2018 and 2020, especially if the public decides that President Trump is being persecuted. Thus, we hear the President frequently referring to the Mueller investigation as a witch hunt. Witch hunt, witch hunt, witch hunt, witch hunt. The entire thing has been a witch hunt. And of course, no president has ever been impeached by a house controlled by his party, much less convicted in the Senate. That's why some Democrats would like to soft pedal all this talk about impeachment, at least until 2019, when and if they might have a majority in the House that could begin proceedings in the Judiciary Committee if there were evidence of crimes having been committed. Of course, some Republicans also see the prospect of impeachment proceedings as a wonderful motivational tool for their own voters. They see saving the Trump presidency as the best way to keep Republicans turning out at the polls. And I'm Ron Elling at NPR. Thanks for coming to my office hours. Sounds like they have a plan. So tomorrow, we're all going to the polls. We're all voting. I want you guys to keep in mind one thing. The Senate is the most important thing that we need to ensure Republicans have control of. In fact, I mean, it would be great for us to have the House. But if you don't get the House, that's fine. That's fine. Because it will just show how all they will do is try to push this witch hunt, which by the way, has a lot of foreign fingers in it. I mean, seriously, more the Germans and the Canadians. But that'll all come out later, way later. So let's talk about what the president is going to be doing uh, during that time. It's important for us to understand where he will be going, who he will be seeing, what he will be doing. So let's see. Um, the president of the United States uh, has a PAC schedule today. Uh, from what I see, uh, you know, he left last night, I guess like early in the morning, uh, where, um, well, he, well, he came back to the White House like in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, and he was leaving. Um, well, let's just say he's going to start, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to campaign everywhere, okay? So 
So um, later on to um, later on in the morning, he was supposed to be leaving. Oh yeah, he did. He went to Cleveland already. Um, and then uh, he is going to have a make America great again, a rally. Um, after that, he's going to go to Indiana, uh, where he's going to have another rally. And then, um, after that, he's going to be leaving and he's going to have another make America great again, rally, um, in Missouri. So it's going to be quite uh, wait, is yeah, it is Missouri. It's Missouri. And then uh, in the evening, he's going to be back at home. Like this president, early early this morning, he had a bunch of meetings, obviously, right? But he left um, the White House, I guess, uh, just a couple of hours ago, right? Um, and he's in Cleveland uh, right now, leaving Cleveland. Sorry, <laughs> he's leaving Cleveland. Um, obviously late cause it's, you know, five 30, he should have already been out. Um, so he's leaving Cleveland, um, for Indiana and going to be there soon. So he's going to be back at the white house to sleep on one, 2 AM again. This president is a workhorse and I'm going to tell you something. It's November 5th. You know, on this day, right? On this day, just so you know, a lot of things have happened. Now, on the 5th of November, everybody knows the story of Guy Fawkes, right? He tried to blow up the English parliament. And so he and all his other people were captured and then beheaded. I'm going to tell you in 2020, we're going to have a Guy Fawkes moment. But this time, the target will be the people. You. It's kind of like the purge. That's why I don't like my kids watching purge, the purge. Um, they're excited, you know, um, especially during Halloween time, they want to watch like scary things. And I'm like, yo, this isn't funny. This is going to be reality in two years. And they laugh. And I know all of you are probably laughing. But it seems like always during the time of November, a lot of crazy things happen. A lot of things happen. Insane things. Like you wouldn't, you know, believe the things that happened in November. You know, in November, actually, November 5th <laughs> uh, in 1940, Roosevelt was reelected to a third term. Did you know that? Yes, he was. And then he won a fourth term in 1944. And Nixon, obviously, obviously election time, right? He won in 1968. And did you also know that um, there was this guy named Peter Strzok and Obama's mommy? Yes, Stanley Ann Dunham. They were in Iran in 1978 and they promoted the installation, right, of the IRGC, that's the Iranian, um, you know, royal guard that they have. But the Ayatollah, Rohola Khomeini, on November 5th, 1979, even though he was colluding with American CIA, a gentleman named Peter Strzok and Barack Hussein Obama's mother, Stanley Antonem, who helped him do this, he announced that the U.S. Embassy in Tehran 
is a center of spying and plotting. And what happened was children, students took over the embassy and they took all American diplomats there hostage and they held on to them and there was a crisis. Forget this. 444 days. And that's how they took out Jimmy Carter. <laughs> you know, those names, Stanley and Dunham and Peter Strzok, will be very, very important. Well, Peter Strzok already is, because we already know who his son is. Right? I told you that in the summer of 2018, when I told you that Peter Strzok is not FBI. He's actually of the agency. And he poses in, as, as an FBI agent, you know. A lot of these brick and mortar SCSs, VSCSs, wear a lot of hat. But you know what? Those people that have titles and go to Langley all the time and have IDs that say CIA are not the people destroying our nation. They're not the people that were able to hotbox General Flynn. They're not the people that unmasked General Flynn, right? They're not. They're totally not. It's the private contractors, you know, like the Snowdens, but Snowdens that you never hear of because you would have never known about Snowden if you didn't do a job for the government and then the government throw him under the bus. So then he goes and throws them under the bus. And now what? You know, that'll be relevant later. We shouldn't talk about that now. For now, let's just talk about this. It's November 5th. We're voting tomorrow. And if anything, make sure you go out there and vote. It's really, really, really important that we take the Senate and have it super red. We need it because we can't count on Pence being the breaking vote. We can't. We, we just can't. Now, today, the U.S. government fully reimposed sanctions on the Iranian regime to put economic pressures on them. That is pretty, that is a very big deal. The Department of Treasury and Office of Foreign Assets Control sanctioned more. All right, guys, POTUS is up. I was waiting a little bit to see if they were going to do it, and then I'll continue because I think it's important that you see the past to understand today. So here we go. They'll, they'll totally ban me for the music. Here's our president. I'm not putting on the music yet. <laughs> president is walking. He's with Border Patrol, meeting with them, introducing himself. All right, here we go. I'm a member, actually, for our uh, um, right side uh, broadcasting. I subscribe to them as long as they could be on there. Okay, let's go to the live section. Apparently, media is getting media there, but let me find it. So in the meantime, I just wanted to say I dropped it in the Telegram room. Remember when we did that show on Michigan and Flint water? Well, surprise, surprise. Uh, Ex-Michigan Governor Schneider and others have been told they're being charged with the Flint water scandal. <laughs> Michigan, that's what's up. Let's see. Let's see. Get the footage for right now. Nope. No one's showing it. Of course not. They're going to edit it. Fuckers. Hey, he's going to come and have his speech. To our president. Damn, with the music. At least we can watch him, right? Maybe we can play some dope music in the background. Like this. All right, our POTUS looks really good. 
I wonder if they took the music off yet. They didn't. He just signed the wall, which is great. He looks good. He looks really good. And he's not a mask hole either, huh? Look at them. No masks. No masks. I like that guy. Listens to our POTUS. That's our president. That's it. He's going to address everyone. Wall is completed. He built that wall. He totally built that wall. And he signed it too. Hmm. Lots of camouflage brought up around the tent. What's going on? Let's see. Interested to see if they still have the music on. Let's play the cool, dope Russian music. Okay, you guys have to admit, that Russian song is dope. Okay? I guess, you know, not a Russian bot. I just think it's dope. So here we are. He's in his little cami tent. Uh, FBI is giving a briefing on uh, the insurrection that was all planned. Oh, Brennan, you better get those perp, perp shoes shined because your ass is going to be perping soon. And you're going to see it. I mean, look at that. We talked about Flynn Water. I think it was like over a year and a half ago. We never forget that one, right? Never forget that one. And now they're being charged. Funny, huh? Flynn after so Flint, Michigan, after so many years. Damn, Michigan. Damn. So now it's going to be coming out the way it goes. Okay, so I'm putting on the screen what the song is called. Funimaichi. You know, music is music. Uh, there's a lot of songs that I listen to. There's some Korean stuff, Chinese stuff, Mongolian stuff. You know, I listen to them. I, th I think they're pretty good. Here he is. Here we go. Music is off. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Great honor to be here. We worked long and hard. Please sit down. We've worked long and hard to get this done. Uh, they said it couldn't be done, and uh, we got it done. One of the largest infrastructure projects in the history of our country. I'm honored to be here in the Rio Grande Valley with the courageous men and women of Customs and Border Patrol. These people are uh, incredible. They're really incredible. I've gotten to know you very well over the last four years. Uh, many of you are friends from uh, all of the work we did in designing the wall. We got it exactly as you wanted it. Everything, including your protective plate on top. I say, why did we put that? And they said, we need it for extra protection, climb plate. And uh, we have everything you want. It's steel, it's concrete inside the steel, and then it's rebar, a lot of heavy rebar inside the concrete. And it's as strong as you're going to get and strong as you can have. But we gave you 100% of what you wanted. So now you have no excuses. I didn't want you to have any excuses. And you set records. Uh, and uh, we can't let uh, the next administration even think about taking it down, if you can believe that. Uh, I don't think that will happen. I think when you see what it does and how it's uh, so important for our country, nobody's going to be touching it. And you are very proud of it and you're proud of the work you did because we really designed it together. We're joined together to celebrate a great achievement, the extraordinarily successful building of the wall on the southern border. Before we begin, I'd like to say that free speech is under assault like never before. The 25th Amendment is of zero risk to me, but will come back to haunt Joe Biden and the Biden administration as the expression goes, be careful what you wish for. The impeachment hoax is a continuation of the greatest and most vicious witch hunt in the history of our country. 
and is causing tremendous anger and division and pain far greater than most people will ever understand, which is very dangerous for the USA, especially at this very tender time. And now I'd like to briefly address the events of last week. Millions of our citizens watched on Wednesday as a mob stormed the Capitol and trashed the halls of government. As I have consistently said throughout my administration, we believe in respecting America's history and traditions, not tearing them down. We believe in the rule of law, not in violence or rioting. Because of the pandemic, horrible, horrible, invisible enemy. And despite our tremendous success developing a vaccine years before it was thought evenly remotely possible, nobody thought it was going to be possible. They said it would take five years. Sir, it will take seven years. All of our scientists were saying, our advisors, it will take seven years, five years, 10 years maybe. Well, we did it just like I said we would. We had it out years and years before they thought it was possible. And we're now delivering it to states, including your state, where your governor and government are doing a terrific job in getting it administered in Texas. And Florida is doing great. Some of them are doing great. Some aren't doing as well, but they have all they can handle. And we get it to them as fast as they need it and even faster. But they're calling it a medical miracle. And this has been a difficult year and a very difficult election. The pandemic has made it a very, very difficult year for our country and virtually every country all over the world. Now is the time for our nation to heal and it's time for peace and for calm, respect for law enforcement and the great people within law enforcement, so many are here, is the foundation of the MAGA agenda. And we're a nation of law and we're a nation of order. That is why we're here today to talk about what we must do to uphold the rule of law in America and how we must continue to support our law enforcement heroes, which is exactly what you are. Do you feel like a hero? Yeah, I think you do, right? You do, and you are. I want to thank Customs and Border Patrol Commissioner Mark Morgan, who's been incredible. Where's Mark? Mark, stand up, Mark. Great job. Fantastic. Chief Patrol Agent Brian Hastings. Brian, thank you very much. Great job. He's so happy with it. He said, sir, this really works. And most importantly, the brave law enforcement officers who risk their lives every day to protect our families and our country. I also want to thank a, a tremendous gentleman, a friend of mine, Tom Holman. He's a great American patriot, and he uh, was with us right from the beginning. Right, Tom? You knew exactly. He said, we need a wall. When they were saying, no, no, we need drones. We need drones. I said, why? So you can watch the people pour into our country illegally? And I want to thank you very much, Tom. What a, what a professional job you've done. All of you people, incredible. Everyone here today is part of an incredible success story. This is a real success story. When I took office, we inherited a broken, dysfunctional, and open border. Everybody was pouring in at will, working alongside the heroes in this great outdoor space, looking at our wall. We reformed our immigration system and achieved the most secure southern border in U.S. history. It is at a level that it's never been before. We took on the cartels, the coyotes, and the special interests, and we restored the rule of law 
For years, politicians ran for office promising to secure the border only to get elected and to do the absolute exact opposite. They even promised a wall, if you remember. About 10 years ago, they promised a wall, but they couldn't get it built. It wasn't easy getting it built. Getting it financed was tough. Getting it built was even tougher. All the different chains of title and all the different things we had to go through. Very, very complex and very difficult, but we got it done. But they had it years ago. You remember that better than anybody, right? And they never got it done. They never, ever uh, completed the task. And then ultimately, the money was sent back to the federal government. Uh, spent, but no wall was built. But unlike those who came before me, I kept my promises. And today we celebrate an extraordinary milestone, the completion of the promised 450 miles of border wall, 450 miles. Nobody realizes how big that is. I remember when I first came down about a year and a half ago, we're under construction and I started walking and I'm looking at the wall and I'm walking and walking. And I'm used to like a development project where you could walk a wall, you know, 10 acres, five acres, two acres, one acre. And I realized, that's a long time. That's a big walk. A lot of it, a lot of the wall you have is incredibly uh, naturalist. You have the mountains, you have the rivers, you have some very powerful water areas. You have some areas that are virtually impossible to get by. So we didn't need walls everywhere, but where we needed them because it's been so successful that we've added nearly 300 miles and that's currently under construction. This was our original wish to get these areas done where there was such trouble. And now we have it, it's uh, either in construction or pre-construction, an additional 300 miles. In every region that we've built the wall, illegal crossings and drug smuggling have plummeted, absolutely plummeted. In the Rio Grande Valley, crossings have dropped nearly 80%. In Yuma, Arizona, illegal entries have been slashed by 90%. Nationwide ICE and Border Patrol have seized over 2 million pounds of fentanyl, heroin, meth, and other deadly narcotics, saving thousands and thousands of lives. We've arrested nearly 500,000 illegal aliens with criminal records, some with very serious criminal records of the type you don't want to know about, like murder. We removed nearly 20,000 gang members from the United States, including 4,500 members of MS-13, probably the worst gang of them all. Through the landmark reforms we've put into place, we have ended the immigration chaos and reestablished American sovereignty. Our most important reform was ending catch and release. Not easy to do. You're dealing with Congress. It's very, very difficult which is the functional equivalent of open borders, but even worse, it's catch and release them. It means release into our country, not into another country. This policy was exploited by vicious criminal organizations who understood the laws better than our people understood them for years to spread misery and suffering and drugs all across the hemisphere. Now, instead of catch and release, we have detain and remove called detain and remove. Doesn't that sound better? One of the biggest loopholes we closed was asylum fraud. Under the old broken system, if you merely requested asylum, you were released into the country. The most ridiculous thing anyone's ever seen. And we were taking in some people 
that you didn't want to have in your country. We instituted a series of historic policy changes to shut down asylum fraud. And that's what we did. This includes the groundbreaking agreement with Mexico, known as the Migrant Protection Protocols, or MPP. Under this agreement, if an illegal alien requests asylum, they have to wait in Mexico until their case is heard. They used to wait here. And when they were waiting, they would say bye-bye and they'd disappear somewhere into our country and essentially would never find them again, would never see them again. This one measure alone ended a humanitarian crisis and saved countless lives. And especially, I have to say, lives from crime. I want to thank the great president of Mexico. He is a great gentleman, a friend of mine, and President Obrador. He is a... Uh, man who really knows what's happening and he loves his country and he also loves the United States. But I want to thank for his friendship and his professional working relationship. We actually had 27,000 Mexican soldiers guarding our borders over the last two years. Nobody thought that was possible. And they made it very, very difficult. And that's why the numbers were able to plunge even during the construction of the wall. And by the way, one of the big elements of the wall that make it so successful is we can have far fewer people working now. They can be working on other things, other things related to crime and drug prevention and a lot of other elements they're working on because we save massive numbers of people. And included here, we have the most sophisticated camera systems and most sophisticated electronic systems anywhere in the world. We implemented three historic agreements with the Northern Triangle, that's Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. Under these critical asylum cooperation agreements, the burden of illegal immigration is now shared all across the region. Now, when an illegal immigrant is arrested at our border, they can be sent to a neighboring country instead of into a U.S. community. Prior to my getting here, Countries wouldn't accept them. They would say, no, no, no. I said, well, you got to take them. First month, I'll never forget. These gentlemen right here came to me. They said, they won't take them back. They came, they may be murderers. They may be cartel heads. They may be some really vicious people. The countries didn't want them back. And I stopped all payments to those countries. I stopped everything going to those countries. And after it was stopped for about a month, you remember? After it was stopped for about a month, they called, they said, we'd love to have them back. And they never gave them as much money as they were getting, by the way, but they got some. It was amazing. It, and you people know better than anyone. They wouldn't take them back. We'd have planes flying over, loaded up with people that we didn't want here. And they'd say, don't ever even think about landing that plane. And they take them by boat and they take them by bus and they wouldn't let them into their countries. And all of a sudden they say, welcome back. We love having you. So it was a great thing. And now they do take them back. And the relationship with those countries, the triangle, the relationship is a much better one than it was before. In addition to our agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, we have systematically reformed the regulatory code to return asylum to its original legal meaning and purpose, not a free ticket for entry. A recent comprehensive report by the Department of Homeland Security and Justice show how effective our reforms have been. 
and how disastrous their removal would be. It would be a disaster for our country. I know they're thinking about removing them. I hope they don't do that. I hope they don't do that. It'll be an absolute travesty for our country. The report conclusively proves once and for all that aliens released at the border remain at large in the country and do not return home. They won't go home. And you rarely find them. It's very tough to find them. So we have aliens released in our country, many of whom are serious criminals. And we've stopped that. Don't ever start that process again. By contrast, under our policies, 98% of aliens that remain in DHS custody are removed. Simply put, if you enter the United States illegally, you are apprehended and immediately safely removed from our country. Without this core principle, there is no border, there is no law, there is no order. My administration also instituted vital public health measures on the border in response to the China virus. Under Title 42 of the U.S. Code, illegal immigrants are being promptly removed to protect the health of border agents, other migrants and local communities, and the public at large. Removing these protections would invite a public health catastrophe of epic proportions, as you probably know, in Tijuana, various parts of Mexico. The COVID, it's got about 24 names. I can call it from COVID to China virus. I can call it uh, the plague. I call it the China plague. A lot of different names, but we always call it the invisible enemy. But the invisible enemy has been very tough on Mexico. And we have areas along the border where we're in great shape because right there, because of that, that we're in great shape, but on the other side in Mexico, they're suffering greatly with the virus. It's been incredible what we've achieved. And we didn't do the wall because of COVID. We did the wall because of uh, security and drugs and other things. But it turned out that in the middle of it all, uh, along came this horrible plague. We inherited a dangerously lawless border. The people that work here are unbelievably brave. I've seen what they have to endure, what they have to go through. They're tough, they're strong, and they're great patriots, great Americans. We fixed it and we secured it. We empowered our wonderful ICE and Border Patrol to fulfill their oaths and sworn officers. They became sworn officers of the law and they love their job. It's a tough job. It's a nasty job. They're not paid what they should be paid, to be honest, but we got you up, we got you up. But these are incredibly talented people that could probably do a lot better in terms of economics than they do here, but they love what they do and they love their country. We also put into place vital measures to protect American workers, keep out terrorists and stop the abuse of our welfare system, where would they come up, go in our welfare system and live for years on American welfare without ever having a job. We also have, and we had, but we have them all the time. We have terrorists from the Middle East coming into our country through the Southern border. That was before what you see right here, because it was easier to come into our country through the Southern border than it was through airports or any other means. So they'd land in South America and they'd work their way up and they'd come into our country. And these are not people from the countries that you would suspect. These are people from some very seriously dangerous places in the Middle East. 
And the numbers are far greater than anybody would understand, really far greater. Removing any of these measures would hamstring our workers, endanger our country, and cost taxpayers hundreds of billions of dollars a year. No matter our party, we should all agree on the need to protect our workers, our families, and our citizens of all backgrounds, no matter who they are, in particular of our border security measures are reversed, it will trigger a tidal wave of illegal immigration, a wave like you've never seen before. And I can tell you that already uh, waves are starting to come up from 2,000 and 1,000 and 500 miles away. We see what's coming. And they're coming because they think that it's gravy train at the end. It's going to be a gravy train. Change the name from the caravans, which I think we came up with, to the gravy train, because that's what they're looking for, looking for the gravy. This will be an unmitigated calamity for national security, public safety, and public health. It would destroy millions and millions of jobs and claim thousands of innocent lives. The policies I put into place are uniformly and strongly supported by the men and women of ICE and Border Patrol. We worked on them together, just like we did on the wall. We worked on the policies together because nobody knows this whole world better than the incredible people right in front of me. To terminate those policies is knowingly to put America in really serious danger and to override the great career experts that have worked so hard, those from DHS. At this very moment, smugglers and coyotes are preparing to surge the border if our policies are loosened or removed. I mean, they're literally waiting. Big, big groups of people, some of them very unsavory, I might add. This is an entirely preventable tragedy. It's waiting to happen. The safety of our nation must come before politics. We have many disagreements in the country. But we should all agree the urgent need to secure our borders, protect our homeland, and allow law enforcement to fulfill its mission without political interference. ICE and Border Patrol agents swore a sacred oath to uphold the law, and no political appointee should ever order them to violate that oath. These are real experts. They really get it. And I'll tell you who else gets it. The Hispanic population of our country gets it. Because not only did I win Texas in historic numbers, but I won border towns, which are largely Hispanic. And people were amazed to see that. And the numbers, they say, were governor of Texas called. Greg, great guy, great governor called. He said, you had numbers that nobody's had since Reconstruction. Reconstruction means civil war. And... Uh, largely Hispanic. They understand it better than anybody, and they want law enforcement to help them, help them live safe lives. The laws that Congress passed must be upheld to the men and women of ICE, Customs and Border Protection, and all across DHS, law enforcement in general. You have earned the everlasting gratitude of our nation. You have no idea how much our nation loves you and respects you. I don't think you do have an idea, but it's true. I only hope and pray that your voice will be heard, honored, heeded, and respected long into the future. God bless you. God bless law enforcement. And God bless America. Thank you very much. Thank you. So I turned off the music because they always ding me saying that it comes from South Africa. 
And rather than ban another video like they did yesterday, I thought, let's just give it to them. So I hope you heard his words. Because as I've said for the past four years of a Trump administration, there's been also a shadow administration. And this time, it's happening in front of our eyes. So tomorrow, it'll be a quite interesting day. Tomorrow is going to be a very interesting day. On that note, I want to send my love to all of you and tell you that don't let anyone tell you that you're the underdog. We are the majority. Their news are telling you that you're not. The news, the mainstream media, the people that don't matter and you give them weight are telling you that you are not important, that your voice doesn't matter. They stole it at the ballot box, and they have been doing that for decades. Things are about to go really, really quickly. Again, diamonds are made under pressure, and it's important to know thyself, know thy core, and follow your gut. While many of you listen to many people now that your president is not out there tweeting and he's not talking, a silent Trump is a dangerous Trump. They all know it. His speech was incredible, so they can't read into it. And it's going to be huge. It's going to be massive. You just have to power through it. Again, we got this. I told you last year. The work starts in 2021. So I hope you guys are ready to roll up those sleeves because we got a lot of work to do. You've always been part of the plan of getting America to be great again. So I'll see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. And uh, for those of you freaking out, guys, the war has already been won. Remember that. We already won. <laughs>
tomorrow. I'll play that song again. That was the bonus section. One moment. Let me start it. God bless everyone. Who always was?